This is Small Changes, Stark Reality on jasoncharles.net. Party people, how the hell are you? Welcome to another edition of Stark Reality with your host, myself, Small Change, aka Jim Deer. My guest this time around is Nate Wallace. Nate is a public school educator in Jersey City, a former college athlete, football that is, and labor organizer and social justice activist as well as uh, back in the day serving as the president for the Students for Justice in Palestine chapter at Florida State University. Like I said, he's now up in Jersey City, and he also hosts a sports podcast called Red Spin Sports, a leftist take on sports, etc., with his uh, longtime Florida friend, Michael Sampson. I think it's a nice kind of uh, different thing that you don't usually see in media. That kind of take on sports with that kind of uh, sort of uh, being critical of some of the business aspects, military aspects, etc. So they get into a lot of different things with that on his own podcast. And we talk about some of the things that he has been discussing as well as, of course, some things around Israel and Palestine the usual uh, trying to frame people as anti-Semitic for criticizing Israel. Many, many subjects. In fact, me and Nate ended up talking for quite some time, so this is a a longer episode. Kind of go all over the place. And he also gave us a playlist, which is a mix of uh, some of his uh, southern sort of hip-hop roots and rock and some political things, even some Paul Robeson. So... Stark Reality, this one with my man Nate Wallace. Check it out. All right. Uh, yeah, you, you see that, that, that thread at all? <laughs> no, I haven't. Hold on. Yeah. Let me look. Basically, like, they're, they're trying to go after this kid who actually was, like, from Palestine, who's, like, an international student, became... The student senate president and he was you know sjp at, at, at florida state and you know in like 2013 when he was like in like ninth grade or something he uh he, he like you know tweeted out like some i guess anti anti-semitic shit like or not i mean like this tweet was just like he said fuck israel because it was a, a kid within his idf soldier like uh you know stepping on a kid and whatever and uh and they were like, oh, that's anti-Semitic and shit. You got to go. And it's being like signal boosted by the, you know, the, the, this whole outfit, that the group that's trying to push the uh, International Holocaust uh, Remembrance Act or whatever definition of anti-Semitism. And under that, oh, is that like, what that actually stands for? You know, what's funny is I've seen that the IHRA, which I know they, yeah. pushed, they pushed in uh, England. That was like one of the things they were trying to. Right, when right. Corbin was running. They were, they were. I think they were, kind of pushing that whole thing. And there was, you know, people. It's a total sham. Back. 
It's, it's, that, that, it, dude, that, that guy's located there in that organization, and he's like, he's a former CIA asset. He was like a former Soviet dissident that actually Max was telling me, that I included in there, like, was a part of, uh, had huge influence over W. Bush um, with, like, you know, the Iraq war and shit. And uh, he was like a believer in, like, just military, you know, like, like it just, it, it is big, it literally, you kind of come up with a bigger neocon in a wet dream, you know, and Paul Wolfowitz's wet dream, you know, it's, uh, this guy is, uh, <laughs> he's something else, man. That's classic. But yeah, he sits back and, like, runs these, like, smear campaigns to destroy, like, you know, destroy kid, college kids and shit for, like, if they, you know, basically it's just a way to, like, well, what was yeah. that? What was that sort of Zionist smear project? Uh, the Canary Project. Canary mission. Yeah, they, they, Canary they got mission. Me Canary too, mission. Yeah. Not to be confused with the Canary, which is a good news source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the yeah, the Canary mission. mission fuck that they, shit. So they, bad. Yeah, they, they're like operated out of like a, they have an IP address in Tel Aviv. Max was saying, and uh, it's just like a shadowy like Shin Bet type, like uh, you know, just you know, just a disruption operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have like apps too, right? You like yeah. score enough points if you uh, blame, you know. If you, well, yeah, if I mean, you they were if like you post enough at, that BDS is anti-Semitic, you you get well, like into yeah, the bonus round. Yeah, they were round. like tweeted at my employer for like a month straight. Amazing! That's awesome. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's just yeah. wonderful. Well, anyways, uh, lovely people, right? Nate Wallace, how are you? Uh, well, are we uh, are we officially starting now, or what? Sure, why not? We'll we'll maybe include some of the other stuff too. But, all right, uh, all right. I'm doing well. I'm glad to, glad to be on. And, uh, Stark and reality with here. Nate Wallace, uh, my friend, who I met actually because you came down to my radio show on WFMU with Max Blumenthal. That's when I met you, right? Yeah, man. I actually remember that. It was uh, I have a weird like photographic memory. I think it was like March. 13th or whatever somewhere I would have there, to look that's in yeah around 2014 and you yeah. um the irony is I think Max was living in a Jersey Jersey City at the time and you were staying there and now you're a teacher in, in New Jersey yeah yeah no I it's it, the, the irony is kind of crazy really I mean Max is back in DC but uh I just uh was looking you know to uh move up to a bigger city and from Jacksonville Florida and I've been living in Tallahassee for a while and uh just uh i came up and you know i was looking at different options and i you know the teaching option was one and have the ability to teach english or social studies and uh you know to coach football which i'm not doing anymore but um it did help me in terms of getting hired uh you know i had a upstanding someone's airbnb and the next door neighbor was the recently retired secretary of the now superintendent who kind of just sort of chopping it up with her a little bit having no idea who she was and put us in touch and we kind of developed a good relationship with him. And next thing you know, I was hired and here I am like, I guess what, five years later. So <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, but yeah, your, your background is in Florida and you were, uh, you were a football player. I was, yeah. I mean, uh, from, uh, you know, high school to then college in South Carolina and then transferring to Florida state. And then it was after the really bad injury I had in 2008 that, uh, uh um, you know, I had to stop playing, but I also, Went back to my hometown. Was you know went through about a three year period of trying. To, you know I was coaching high school football, substitute teaching, but also mainly just trying to figure out like you know good whether to do surgery in the back, whether to keep doing physical therapy, whether just trying all sorts of stuff. Um, after I 
you know, had degenerative discs and kind of ruptured a few of them and, and had nerve damage. So, uh, yeah, so it was at the end of 2011 that I, I went back to Florida State, and then that's when I kind of finished up my degree, and that's when I really got involved in the, the uh, Palestine solidarity work. Yeah, how did you first get kind of – because I think your story is kind of, uh, you know, interesting, and uh, you have now have a podcast, uh, Red Spin Sports. Yeah, yeah, Red so Spin you Sports. So you have man. a few uh, episodes up of that, and that's kind yeah. of a uh, – and a kind of leftist, anti-imperialist take on sports, which is something you don't generally see in the media. Yeah, you'd be surprisingly after, since I've started this though. It's uh, you kind of there's a whole ecosystem of people that are you know, especially the academics, you know, that are uh, that, that have really truly really grown in recent years. That that study like some of them are sociology of sport, you know, looking at like, class dynamics and other stuff like that. Others like looking at, um, you know, the but really just different disciplines within it, but they're, they're looking at sport as a, not just this like institution of entertainment. That's like kind of apart from society where people just go to escape, but looking at it as an integral part of like the, you know, the, the, the apparatus of the, the really the monopoly capitalist sort of society we live in today. Um, in this era of you know, hyper neoliberal economics and, and militarism and jingoistic kind of patriotism and the blurring of the lines between militarism and patriotism. And uh, so there's a lot of uh, exploitation of that. There's uh, oh, you know, there's I'm definitely not, a lot to talk about, man. but I don't think generally you see those kind of conversations, say, having on a SBN type sports show. You oh, know? definitely. If not anything, that's just like. Which is owned by Disney. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of like you generally think of like sort of sports as, you know, apolitical or maybe generally leaning right a little bit rightward. And, right. and as you were saying, you know, you, you kind of hear those kind of pro military messages, which. Well, which I guess you know uh, the military was paying for. That wasn't even that wasn't even clear for a long time, right? Right. Yeah, the military pays for a lot of those flyovers before the game and the pageantry and stuff you see. But really, I, I think a bigger point that we're going to go down this road first is uh, is drawing the distinction between the people who run these sports leagues, the uh, at the college level, the big time boosters and alumni that you know sort of really develop like cachet and a, and a legacy and their their name and and uh and kind of build their own brand and, and uh, through investing in these major college football programs. You go to a place like Alabama and the weight rooms named after some booster, the, the practice just, you know, uh, you know, the lunch or you know, the training table rooms named after another. And, and it's like a, a way for them to fertilize themselves as being part of something, but something that's built upon the labor that could not fundamentally exist without the labor of like overwhelmingly you know, black, black players now, um, that, you know, come from, you know, communities in the deep South that have, that have you know, been historically, uh, that, have, you know, going back to slavery through Jim Crow. And then really, you know, I, I would argue that we, we really haven't finished reconstruction to this date. There never was any sort of land reform. And we just sort of like acted as if, uh, you know, things, time just goes on. And, you know, now it's so long ago, you always hear people say in terms of the reparations debate, but, uh, really it's, uh, it's still like, a, it's like in a, Cross nationality, really, when you look at the power structure of, uh, of, of these states and counties in the Deep South, and yet these football programs, and not just there, I mean, you look at a Ohio State in the Midwest or a Penn State, they act as, uh, you know, they're 
they're integral parts of like the identity of these of these states of these communities of these people of the colleges the too yeah. right it becomes you know a way to sell the college and thus you know you get these like college right. these college coaches that are the most highest paid state employee you know or something. yeah I mean, that's not even an anomaly that's just the norm now right you know? right Versus, yeah and uh so then you look into the fact that now this pandemic's lifted the veneer off of all that and just you know it's one thing if professionals who are being paid decide they want to to go and and you know assume the risk and stuff to play ball during a pandemic but when you're sending kids home because of covid clusters that are developing on campus and going back to online instruction which they've done at notre dame at unc chapel hill a number of other schools but you're you're keeping the football team there and you're having them in a you know in a bubble and whatnot how can you in any way claim that like this is amateurism at that point <laughs> it's just, yeah it's and so i think that's, a, that's, that's a question that's like kind of been long you know talked about is that why don't college players get paid you know it seems like a kind of ridiculous hustle again if these coaches get so much money and there's obviously tons of money in college sports with tv contracts and stuff and yet college players you know don't yeah. get paid it seems like kind of a ripoff yeah, well, there's a few layers to it. I mean, it's like at a, at a lot of schools, college football doesn't make money at all. I mean, you look at the Division One, AA, even uh, Division Two, II, Division Three. Um, you know, so it's like the the big programs that have the huge TV deals, right, that are right, right, dominant and everything like that. There, uh, they make a huge amount of money, and part of it is like the uh, the power of the symbolism, the power of the logos, and how you know, and then also it's like the pathway that's been created, sort of between. You know, being a high school football star, the idea that then you go and you hone your skills at a college um, for if you're a superstar for three years and then you go on to the NFL. And that's like that's considered sort of like the tried and true pathway. So it's like a lot of, you know, guys growing up and just sort of uncritically accept that. But that's starting to change. You're starting to see, you know, really, I, I think the reason that they canceled the college football season in the Pac-12, which contains USC, UCLA, you know, Oregon, Cal Berkeley, those schools. And others is uh, the fact that they had real threats of player unionization. Um, you know, the moment it, they actually fear, because the re fear of players organizing, potentially unionizing, you know, 2014 at Northwestern, you know, it almost happened with Northwestern football with this guy, Kane Coulter and others on his team, but really pushed. And they yeah, actually see, had I, don't, I never even heard yeah. about that. That's what's kind of funny. So they, yeah. so at Northwestern, they almost did unionize yeah. the actual and they weren't, yeah, they weren't even ruled against by the nlrb they just were like it was sort of tabled and uh and and uh, it was there was sort of some technicalities don't need to get into but yeah they had a really successful push and almost succeeded and uh, i think there are a, lot, a number of these pac-12 players that signed on to this unity statement um about demands they were making at the conference i think they absolutely contributed to the conference deciding to kind of pull the plug and, and fearing that it would turn into a, a national thing yeah, national thing, and uh, you know, so I mean that that's a that, that that's a thing. It would just, because the reality is they kind of rely on the football money that comes in the TV money right. to fund not just these coaches, but these uh, huge salaries of athletic directors. Uh, you know, all down the line, even schools a lot of times like actually you know get you know money from that because there's windfalls. So you have a successful football season. I mean, there's studies every year that shows the team that wins the national championship in college football has a huge increase in freshman undergraduate applications which equates to a lot of money in the form of application fees and campus visits and all that so there's a 
you know, regardless of what the, the actual bottom line is, you know, at a given school, there's all these sort of ancillary like stuff that goes along with that. So that's why I mean, for me, it was sort of like this old merging of sports and politics. Again, I got to go back. I mean, I mean, Max, you know, Blumenthal was like kind of pushing me to do this just because in casual conversations we had, we've talked about this stuff, you know, you know over and over again. And, uh, well, and like was, I said, I definitely think it's uh it's needed. I mean, I know I've like followed like Dave Zarin for a while, and yeah. uh, he's kind of someone I feel as has posted some good stuff, written some good articles. He actually, I think, did a whole series on just you know again the economic like madness of the Olympics and how it's like really fucked certain cities, you know. And, yeah, I mean, how and much I know time you you, you have, were man. you were ta- yeah, exactly. And you were you were talking about that I think with uh your last guest who is it uh Michael Sorazio. Yeah, he was a yeah, professor. Yeah, because Boston uh you were talking about the whole stadium game because I guess right. he was from San Diego and you know, I right. I I don't really follow I mean, I played baseball growing up etc yeah. but uh i don't really follow sports but i didn't even realize like the chargers had actually moved in the los angeles chargers and uh yeah basically you guys were talking about the whole concept of how they were trying to get people to pay for a stadium and they didn't so they bounced and uh that's yeah. that's a really interesting uh conversation because uh you well, know you guys were talking about sort of the psychology of like Hey, you're from San Diego. You're rooting for this team for years. It's sort of part. You have like this kind of, you know, if you follow sports, you have this right. kind of feeling like this hometown type of thing. And so what you were saying is, okay, so you have that aspect of sports where it's like people kind of rallying, you know, behind like a team and something. But then you have, you know, the the owners that kind of take advantage of those feelings in sort of a yeah. twisted way by... You know, your your uh, your guest was really funny. He was liking it to the mafia. You know, he'd be like, "Would be really, you know, something. It'd be really a shame if something happened to the Vikings. You know, and we'd have to move." But that's the whole thing. It's kind of mafia. It's not like mafia. Yeah, like, if you don't give us a stadium, we're gonna move your team that you might yeah, have been that you might over. have been rooting for for twenty, thirty years or more. It's kind of it's twisted. It's very, it's very twisted and it's, but it's very much in, uh, you know, in line with like the kind of, you know, economic system and political economy we live under right now. You look at what's going on in our, in our politics, the ruling class in this country and, and just really how, you know, seemingly suicidal a lot of this stuff is. I mean, it's like they, in order to hold on to their power, they're willing to like, you know, make decisions that i mean we're not even touching on climate change and stuff but it's just like right right they're they're just they're clearly you know acting it's like we're in a new gilded age and perhaps even you know more more intense than than the than the one the the turn of the last century um you know but uh yeah i mean in terms of the stadium stuff i mean it's really it's wild i mean you have a city like atlanta georgia that built the uh the georgia dome and like opened in like 93 i believe or not and then there come 2016 that stadium there is already obsolete they're saying and you know so in 2017 they move into this brand new palace with lots and lots of taxpayer funding called mercedes-benz stadium in atlanta Classic. it's already hosts a super bowl these and, names are god awful by the way uh well then there's the mercedes-benz superdome in, in new orleans so you can't get that confused you know you're in atlanta you're at mercedes-benz stadium what right? about like and the then, yugo superdome why can't we <laughs> yeah well they don't, they're not paying enough money you know? <laughs> 
It used to just the be Chevy the Nova Superdrome, you know, I don't know. Or Anyways. San Diego was Jack Murphy Stadium before it right. was now Qualcomm Stadium. But the San Diego example, I mean, it's sort of, you got to look at it a couple ways. It's like they, you know, people in terms of fandom, so to go back to Sarazio real quick. I mean, part of the thing that I think this is hard. My mom's not a big sports fan, didn't grow up with it. In some ways, I feel guilty that, you know, she's kind of having had sons and had to kind of just, uh, sacrificed so much, you know, growing up with us playing ball and stuff. My little brother and I have, um, he also, they actually, he actually won a national championship in college, uh, this senior year at Florida state, they, they nice. beat Auburn in the Rose bowl. And, uh, anyways, uh, but you have this, like what he calls Sarazio calls totemic allegiance. And like, okay. you know, and the idea of like the way that it's not just about, I mean, it's like, he's part of what makes him interesting. And I've, I, put myself in this category too is we fully aware we're fully aware of the irrationality of you know investing all this time and energy into like uh rooting for a team that's owned by a billionaire who's a complete who made his money in fracking or something you know or whatever some other you know you know just fucked up industry and uh right you well know, then, and, uh, then, then result, like ray Kroc on the padres or something from, yeah i mean I, 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 just go down the list whatever, i mean yeah. you have like slumlords you got you know guys like stephen ross who makes his money angle drilling in occupied palestine for water to, to bring into israel awesome you got he's also an <laughs> nyc developer you got uh I mean, I can, I can keep going, and it, it, it only gets Yeah, because most you know? of the owners, especially in football, they're all like, most of them are Trump supporters, right? Well, yeah, but it's not you just football. I mean, you could go down baseball, too. Hockey. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, basketball, they're a little, they have at least the, on the on the surface, they, they want it to seem more like a collaborative sort of deal where the NBA players... But though, are, who is the partners, dude from the Clippers, right? Sterling, right? With yeah, the, uh, well, Sterling was booted. They got the yeah. Microsoft former CEO, uh, Steve Ballmer's in charge now. And, and, but anyways, it's like the idea of there being a totemic allegiance, it's sort of something like he talked about. He felt this inexplicable urge to, like, you know, buy a Chargers lightning bolt hat or something when he'd be back in town, even though he knows, like, you know, like, what, what, where is it? What, 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 what's the point? Like, where, right. where does this impulsive inter- need come from? Well, part of it is like the desire to relate intergenerationally too. You know, it's like he had right. a granddad who was older then and not a lot in common and sort of being able to just sort of talk ball sort of brought them back to like a simpler time. And right. for a lot of people, those, the, 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 the sort of multi-generational, um, you know, uh, sports allegiances to certain teams provide a space to like, you know, uh, come together and, and especially in an era in, in, a, in an age now where religion is like organized religion that is on the decline and, and people's like, you know, are more and more people are identifying as secular, just sort of loosely affiliated with religion. So there's something innate sort of within humans, it seems to like feel a need to like for, you can look at it in music, you know, that could be another outlet for it, but like to gather communally to have right. a sort of a sense of solidarity. It's like in a very alienated world, right? It's uh, in modernity where we're very much in our own little boxes and we're all just taught to like kind of go, go and get yours. That, that There's something about gathering and also something about it being in the moment. So when you go to a live music show or concert, you go to a game, it's not like something that's been recorded previously and you're just watching on, on the TV. It's like something that is one of the few things remaining that that's like happening simultaneously. And there's also an energy that comes from being there is an energy, trout. especially like being, you know, I've been. Yeah few playoff you know baseball games back in the day you know it's like you know yeah. a sold out crowd there is kind of like an energy in being there you know 
Yeah, and, and, and con- I've had the same experience at, at, at concerts before too. You know, where you like people, you know, there's like yeah, a- it's, it's like you're kind of having not you know, necessarily religious, but you do you do have like that kind of like a uh, group experience, I guess. Right. You know, it, it gives you a chance to like maybe chip away at that sense of isolation that's like crushing a lot of that a lot of people feel is sort of a crushing sort of weight a lot of times in this modern world um, to, to have something where you kind of let go and it's also like you think of celebrations like mardi gras and carnival carnival going back and some of these silly like you know rituals you have at tailgating you know scenes before games i showed a clip of uh outside of buffalo where you know they do this i mean it's crazy snow weather and they're like jumping off rvs on the breaking breaking the tables they're playing beer pong on you're just like what is this like organized by like the buffalo chiropractors association or something you know they get right. people in the office on right day. right yeah they're kind of, out, of the, like, out of their minds yeah yeah exactly but in some ways it's like we need a space to like where the rules don't apply sometimes you know at least you know in terms of like you know like a lot of people theorize that you where you can just kind of like mardi gras is like well, you have a group activity where, where you can have fun and you're sharing in something that you're all into you know right right and but it might it, be like you, you mentioned going to burning man and stuff like that i mean i'm sure that you know there's a lot of yeah, I mean, it's any kind of culture of just like, you know, yeah, just coming together and having a good time. And, um, but yeah, I, I do think it's kind of interesting, like I said, that, uh, you know, people like yourself are kind of like challenging that norm of, okay, sports shouldn't be political, like even the whole concept of staying in your lane or keep dribbling, <laughs> keep dribbling shut the ball, shut, shut up and dribble. Exactly. Where actually it'd be great probably if a lot of uh, neocon and think tank people would just get out of that lane. Like, you know, maybe you're in that lane and you're shit, you're a shitty person. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you may actually know, you know, have studied and all this stuff and you're a fucking neocon. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you should choose a different lane instead of telling people to stay in theirs. You know, maybe right. you should, maybe yeah, you should get out of like that you, lane because you who, suck. You know, who gives you the authority to decide exactly. what kind of politics is allowed? Quote in exactly. sport. And also the idea that you can just separate any sort of activity as being just totally apart from like the larger political like dynamics that govern power relations and whatnot in society in general is a joke. I mean, yeah, so. it's, a, it's a complete joke. Like, like, like stay in your lane. And then, you know, the seventh inning stretch sponsored by the U S Navy or something. Right. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's kind of like the hypocrisy of like, we don't want you to talk about this, but yeah, support our troops. Yeah. yeah. It's well, like, yeah, why are you even hearing that. this shit at the stadium? You know? And I mean, again, here, because here they paid for it, you know? here in new york just go to yankee stadium and it's like well you can't now but you know it's like you'll go and you know now you know you got the uh national anthem before the game and then you got like uh at some point during the game they bring out some guy and it's like there's so-and-so hero from yonkers new york operation enduring freedom (laughs) veteran of operation iraqi freedom like giving people are just having this like out-of-body experience you know and then it's a seventh inning stretch and it's like god bless america stand you know which yeah. only started after like nine eleven, but classic uh, shit, classic shit. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I think you know, and 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 I think that general thing doesn't really um, give space for people, you know, like like Colin Kaepernick or whatever, like those kind of people that start, you know, to start to actually think like, hey, yeah, I'm a sports person, but maybe I actually don't go along with all of this, you know? Yeah, there's always a huge divide between the players, the labor right. that like. Act, that make the sports go versus like the people that want 
it to just be like pure entertainment for themselves. So they right. can consume. It's like people, a lot of times it's like certain fans are quite frankly, you know, bored in their own lives. And like, and they want, it gives their life some expression, some meaning like, Oh, my team won. And they go into the office with, I guess, whatever they're on their zoom call now or whatever. But, but I don't know. I've, I've been down South in the pandemic and I'm got to go back down to Florida again in a couple of days. And, uh, it's, uh, it's really wild to see just like how people just really don't give a fuck, you know, about this down there. And, uh, right. Like, I mean, it's just so different than being up here. It's hard to really, even in terms of Florida, it. like, uh, in terms of uh, COVID or just in terms just of COVID. Sport? Yeah. 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 I mean, so I, are people I was basically down... like not wearing masks, not giving a fuck essentially. Well, it's or... like, if you are wearing a mask, people looking at you, like what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, or like, are you are you sick or something, sort of thing? And like, they're like dining indoors and stuff down there, and like working out in indoor gyms and stuff. And it's yeah, just like, that just seems like crazy to like, you know, I don't know, just yeah. especially like spending a few weekends. Like things have slowed down a little bit in New York, but there was definitely more than a few weekends where I was literally living in Brooklyn and hearing sirens all weekend from ambulances. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's just it doesn't seem like something to be trifled with. You know, like, yeah, you know, like, and they just like those constant things, like even some guy who was a bodybuilder, you know, people who think like, oh, I'm strong and I'll be fine. And then he's in a ventilator for like two weeks and it's, yeah, it's not really a yeah, correlation it's, it's, with that. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like you, you could be healthy. You could still get extremely sick. So I don't I mean, know. I, I feel I like I, I'm leaning on still being kind of conservative I and mean, I'm in a business that. Yeah. You know, like entertainment type of stuff that obviously that's all kind of shut down. But I'm also not being like, yeah, I can't wait to start DJing parties again. It's like, no, it's not safe, you know. Yeah. But uh, because you were saying actually uh, there was a pattern, I think, uh, with some of uh, the college, uh, the states, you know, in sort of the southern, like more, uh, you know, hey. GOP governors that were kind of trying to push uh, the college sports to happen. Yeah, and how well, did that no, play out? I mean, they basically sort of canceled the season, right? No. Oh wow, no. that's um, crazy. In fact, I mean, they they did in the Big Ten conference, and they did in the Pac-12. So the SEC, the ACC, and the and the Big Twelve are all playing. So it's it's created this huge schism. So we can kind of I can kind of you know touch on that and kind of and sort of talk about how it 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 mirrors like actual political schisms in this country because it's become like a flashpoint for larger politics or like the, the Trumper states are like, you know, open or are playing basically the ones Republican governors, whereas the blue states are like, you know, generally not playing. Right. But how does that work with the league? I mean, how are they going to do like the bowl game? Well, there's no, there is no league. That's the thing. Like a lot of people don't right. know in college football. There there's, there, the conferences are like, they're not a, uh, there's no, not like there's a one unified league. national it's league, like, right? Right. It's just these different, these like different the groups. NCAA, you know, the NCAA has like, uh, you know, jurisdiction, I guess, over like, you know, drug testing and eligibility and stuff. But, but uh, in terms of like there being, there's technically no like national champion. The NCAA, right, right, right. right. Uh, they, it just, it's the bowl games and like these big corporate entities trying to decide that. Like the so it's it's a crazy system. It's uniquely American. You don't have any other country that has like an amateur like you know athletic you know system that's like bigger than most pro leagues. Um, right, at right. Universities. <laughs> you know? Right, right, really, right. Yeah. 
And do you think like uh, people like uh, you know Colin Kaepernick have have had like uh, a sort of an effect uh, in general with more athletes kind of feeling more power to come out? Um, yeah, hugely. I mean, I think that you know there's certain things I wish I wish he would, I wish Cap would like maybe speak publicly more. Maybe one critique I would have like you know he doesn't, but he does stuff in his own way, and I don't want to be you know critical really of because what he's done is has been. Yeah, it's been tremendous in terms yeah. of like people losing the fear of like, of you know being you know there was a there was a, a rule that Michael Jordan used to talk about called you know playing the game is how he kind of abided by everything and that meant for him that meant staying completely apolitical, not ever saying anything that could potentially like upset one you know potential consumer customer you know, corporate sponsor. And ultimately that's not going to work in this day and age anymore where you have, you know, people are able to bypass the gatekeepers of media, have their own social media, um, kind of create their own, their own brands, their own stories, their own, you know, project their own image out there. And, uh, and authenticity is really, you know, essential. And, and I think that with cap, the fact that when he was taking a knee, now it's sort of been co-opted and it's not. Yeah, really it's kind of funny how these things get. They're like, this is the worst thing ever. And then next thing you know, you have police chiefs like, you know, doing oh, these symbolic actually, bullshit and mayors. Yeah. And so yeah. I think it's very, very funny how this dialogue. I mean, it's like basically, essentially, you know, conservatives and racists are generally just completely full of shit. And they'll just turn on a dime when they think like, OK, now there's enough momentum with this thing. Maybe we'll just co-opt it. Whereas, of course, when he first started doing that, it was like, oh, this is the worst thing in the world, et cetera, right. et cetera. Yeah, I mean, uh, Anya Parampil at the Gray Zone with her show Red Lines did a great uh, you know, piece called Copaganda in the wake of the George Floyd thing and really highlighted especially this sheriff of the county where Flint, Michigan is, who's that Chris Swanson that was out there like, let's turn this pro protest into a parade man oh yeah yeah this, yeah, this, this cop over there he hugs people <laughs> yeah we're, we're all having yeah. we're all having a good time it's just, yeah it's just, just a big party man you know like like big tent let's just well, bring she the also investigated the guy and found out that he had all i mean he makes tons of money off the prison you know all these little like private contractors and vendors you know like you know charging making money off of like all the phone calls. I was going to say, if phone calls are like $30 to call, I mean, that that's, uh, uh, you know, the whole prison economic system is just absolutely twisted. Absolutely yeah, well, twisted. we can talk about that for the next three or four hours. I know. We <laughs> really could go in a lot of different directions. Um, what, have, what have, you know, besides sports, what have you been kind of following lately in the news that's kind of caught uh, your eye? Honestly, well, it, Israel, Palestine, uh, old, uh, going back to, uh, you know, my days at, uh, you know, basically i got into that because i was you know the trayvon martin and stuff had happened in florida the murder of you know, george zimmerman remember him like george zimmerman good times one of the worst Sa human beings on earth george yeah, zimmerman. signing autographs at a, a gun show what a true and, uh, fuck what a true I, fuck. I remember you actually mentioned that about how like chuck d retweeted tweeted something out about george zimmerman signing autographs on the gun show in florida when we were on that you know a few years ago and uh and yeah, it's just like it's it's next level. And they but with, in the wake of all that, there was just a lot of stuff going on. And and uh, yeah, the SJP Students for Justice in Palestine. Yeah, so you were part of that in uh, in Florida when you were going yeah, to school in there. Okay, which cool. Is the capital, the capital, state capitals. Right. There, you have Florida State University. You also have Florida A and M University, which is one of the 
most prestigious or like historically well-known HBCUs, historically black colleges, universities. Right. And, uh, so it, it really is kind of crazy visually in Tallahassee. There's like a ravine between two campuses and railroad tracks. It's very much like the demarcation line of like old segregation um, in terms of like in Florida State's up on a hill and then FAMU is up on a hill on the other, the other side. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, yeah, and, stu- and, and students, symbolic. the SJP, Students for Justice in Palestine, which has a lot of chapters in different colleges, yeah. they've also been attacked quite a Major. bit by Zionist groups. and Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of like right now, yeah, in terms of what I'm doing right this second, yeah. So I, I, I got into it kind of in the wake of all that stuff. And one, it was part of larger, you know, response to the uptake in student activism and football was done for me. And I was looking to get engaged politically and I was really grown and was uh you know was and so uh, you skip forward to right now and you have at florida state you have the, the this the school is, is completely coming down um on their activism and it's totally uh it's what i see is really like an astroturf type campaign where you have these outside forces that are looking for low-hanging fruit in terms of like the, so the president or um or a member of students for justice in palestine who's now the senate you know, the student Senate president of the university there and student government association is Palestinian. And, uh, you know, back in 2013, when he was not in college at all, and was back living in Palestine, the occupied West bank, you know, he, he like, you know, witnessed and, you know, a Israeli soldier with his foot, like on a Palestinian kid and, uh, made like a meme or whatever with Mandela. And he put like, you know, I'm like, like fuck Israel and stuff like that under and they're, they're, they're claiming that like, see, he's an anti-Semite. And the, I think there were some other tweets he had back then, but he's apologized for, he's like taking action where, you know, um, he's, you know, very open to dialogue on, on anti-Semitism and, 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 and like actually meaningful dialogue, but that's not what they want. They want to like, just well, they want push to him out the door. It. They want to cancel this kid. Who's a college kid with the weight of the Israel lobby coming down on him, and and really it's about intimidating and using a young yep. young man in this case as an example for like a warning shot basically to anyone else yep, potentially exactly. thinking about getting involved in this kind of work, and uh, I find it really disgusting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is disgusting, and uh, it's just it's crazy like how much pressure they they basically kind of try to create an environment where you're just, yeah, you're not allowed to speak up because basically if you actually start talking about this stuff and dissecting it, then it's, it's kind of obvious what's going on. And, and I, I kind of look at it as like one of the real emperor's new clothes kind of things in our age that, you know, Israel is an apartheid genocidal state, but of course you'll never hear that in corporate news. You'll never hear that from our politicians. And if you do actually state the obvious, they will come after you. For sure, and they want to. They want to let you know there's a price to pay. So the the crux of what this is is just a an acronym. I'm sure you mentioned you you've seen it going around, but it's I H R A stands for International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, um, which the U S is a member of and adopted that definition. You know, Trump signed his ridiculous executive order on anti-Semitism, I think, in 2018. I'll get to that in a second. And I know they were they were pushing that. They came up basically with the definition of anti-Semitism, which, of course, like what all Zionists do is conflating, you know, Zionism with Judaism. So therefore, Mm -hmm. if you criticize Zionism, you're criticizing Jews. Therefore, you're an anti-Semite. Therefore, like stuff like BDS is 
anti-Semitic, and and that and yeah, I I saw that yeah. that IHRA type of definition that was being pushed in the UK quite a bit during uh you know the lead up in uh, the last yeah, election. No. And there still are. I just got off the phone actually with with Max Blumenthal. We were talking about this about, and he was informing me about what's going on in the UK still and how anybody within Labour Party that has an, even a semblance of you know, solidarity with Palestine now is immediately kind of being purged, pushed aside with this IHRA definition being used as, yeah, the you si- know, the, the sickening thing is they, they were kicking out like uh, people who were longtime anti-racist activists. And that's that's where yeah. this stuff really, really it is infuriating because it's, it's like we're, we're you're basically right letting right. the you're letting the racist decide who is racist. So of course, they're not racist and all the anti-racists are racist. Right. It's, yeah. So you have it's, it's, it's a real yeah. like bizarro Superman. Like, you know, it's like I mean, what, for, what yeah, world context, are we in? Is everything like blocks? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Man? And for context, you have the president of Florida State University, who has like been a long time um, speaker of the House in Florida, um, you know, Senate, um, then Senate Majority Leader, just really like a legislative uh, right wing, you know, machine who then has right. been a huge Florida State booster. And this is sort of like the culmination of his career uh, being the president. And, and he's going after this student now and like taking this whole thing, you know, talking about putting Hillel in charge of like anti Semitism, anti racist training. I'm sorry, but Hillel has clearly made it clear that they're not just focused on Jewish culture and whatnot, but that promoting like Israel partisanship is uh, is a clear part of their program. Uh, well, even I also, wish, I, I wish it wasn't that way, but it, it just it just is. Well, so. also like ADL, you know, it's like you know marketed as some hey, we're some anti-racist organization, <laughs> and of course, you know, oh my they're gosh. they're crazy Zionists, and they were even spying on you know yeah. all kinds of activists back in the day, so. Yeah, man, it gets, I mean, it's it really gets very, it's very warped. It's like, it's like, it's like sort of bizarro land shit, and it, I don't it know. It really is. And, uh, and, and real quick, I, I just can't, to, the, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm kind of jumping in there too. Yeah, uh, but, but uh, so there, there's a, there's a guy Kenneth Stern actually who wrote the. Um, let me. Where is this? Yeah, yeah, Kenneth Stern, who basically he wrote this piece, and I'll, I'll just pull this up real quick. He does. It's in the Guardian. And he published this eight months ago, I guess, back in December. And he said, I drafted the definition of anti-Semitism. Right-wing Jews are weaponizing it. And a few just excerpts from here, he says that 15 years ago, as the American uh, Jewish Committee's anti-Semitism expert, I was the lead drafter of what was then called the working definition of anti-Semitism. So basically, it, you know, it goes on a little bit more. It was never intended to be a campus hate speech code. But that's what Donald Trump's executive order accomplished this week. So that, that was actually back not even a year ago when, when Trump signed that. This order is an attack on academic freedom and free speech and will harm not only pro-Palestinian advocates, but also Jewish students and faculty and the academy itself. So he goes on to explain more. This is a, you know, in The Guardian. But um, and he just talks about how just what you were saying, how you know, right wing groups such as he cites the Zionist Organization of America here. Yeah, they're and, awful. Was it right, Mort, Mort and, Klein or yeah. whatever? He's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Awful. I mean, Mort Klein. You, I don't know if you, I mean, you follow. You, you, Mort Klein, his little 
sit down combo with ice cube yeah oh that's right i know see this is what's kind of twisted it's like you know it's like i give ice cube has been seemingly more political talking you know kind of challenging some of the democratic platforms and typical corporate democrats but it's like yo why are you sitting down with that dude that dude sucks zionist or you know that organization sucks i just you know you know know what it is man man. it's crazy Zyron had him on his little his show actually you mentioned earlier dave Zyron in the sports con and they were talking about, you know, just uh, you know, anti-Semitism at first, and some stuff Cube had said in the past, and right, you know, right, kind of apologizing the, for that, like whatever. The Korean and, and, uh, grocers or whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, what, what what was clear to me though is that like Cube really like was confused because Zyron being like, oh, as like a, a as a Jew critical of Israel, like myself, um, you know, I just have a lot of problems with Mort Klein and, and the ZOA. And uh, I just, you know, the, the dehumanization of Palestinians. And you just thought that you just saw that Cube was totally confused because in his mind, like, he clearly doesn't, doesn't really know anything about, like, Israel-Palestine specifics. was like, man, what the hell? Like, my advisor or something told me, like, to go meet with this cat and it would help me with, like, you know, getting them off my back about anti-Semitism. And now I got See, this that, other dad telling me. That's, telling me, that's what like, we're living oh, in. No. When we're living in such a bizarre world that, like, yeah. yeah, like things that to me should be very obvious, but because, you know, again, in this emperor's new clothes kind of world where, you know, oh, Israel is a democracy and, you know, they're just always defending themselves against those uh, balloons that are floating around. Right. And, yeah. Let's, I mean, because now, and like, yeah, I mean, it's going on right now. I mean, it's we're, going on we're right recording now. this on the 23rd in, uh, of August, and now it's in this, what, 10th or 11th day of bombing Gaza with, you know, as people have been pointing out, I think, uh, was it Alan McLeod or whoever, um, wrote in fair and fairness and yeah. accuracy and reporting just that right. whole piece about how this has been going on for 10 11 days not a peep from any corporate western no. news source Nothing. you know just a few little things here and there saying oh they're defending themselves again and it's just it really you know that's what i think also you know with some of this labeling of like oh this is state media and watch out and the the whole like kind of info you know like what is real news like that whole industry but it's like if you look at like western corporate mainstream media i mean it really is an arm of the state department they're all like right you know who cares if you have like okay the atlantic and vox and cnn and nbc and if they're all basically saying the exact same thing or or more importantly not talking about all the same things you know you're well, not going to read about yemen but you but right. of course we're going to read about belarus now or whatever you know oh yeah but, i mean yeah but suddenly all these people who <laughs> never given two shits about belarus are belarus, these, like yes. experts in like belarus belarusian like you know human rights and stuff you know so and it's, it's like, kind of like okay the color revolutions get the thumbs up but of course like actual yeah. shit in bolivia well, or venezuela no it's like you know they're evil well, they're evil I, I would point you to like you know i think black agenda report with, black like, agenda Danny report is the shit man danny highfong specifically who's going to be coming on red spin sports oh that's week, awesome uh, because is, he uh, yeah he was I mean, interviewing some of the best reporting on this the debunking a lot of the anti-china hysteria stuff that we're seeing out there right now which yeah is he's great unlike other stuff he's where great. it's like this whole notion of let's just don't talk about it they are talking about that right and they're just and people have no ability to like because they just totally say oh anything out of china you can't trust it you can't trust it and we're just supposed to trust like you know state department funded or sponsored well i think i think you know like like the programming is deep and i think it's deeper than than people think and especially even like you know 
my parents, you know, I mean, I love them and they're generally liberal, but they kind of, you know, watch Rachel Maddow sometimes. So then they're same buying here, into the, same, to the, to here, the no. <laughs> rush. And it's just like, yeah. I, I think like, you know, just like decades and decades and decades of Russia's evil, China's evil, communism's evil, like, you know, like, you know, I'm 48. So, I mean, when I was a kid, it was like Red Dawn, <laughs> you know, like just, yeah, yeah, just all yeah. these like ridiculous movies, you know, right. and it's, it's, it's there's like a lot of unraveling you know that needs to be done like we really are propagandized especially in the states and that's why i feel like people just they already want to believe that so then even if it's okay the source is freaking radio free asia or that guy and <laughs> what adrian zenz or whatever like victims yeah, of communism fanatic, like, like fanatical, why yeah, would you ever listen to a group that includes the nazis as victim you know dead nazis as victims of communism like why would you even take this group seriously and yet this guy's getting quoted in reuters cnn it's like it's just yeah again like gray zone and black agenda report and that's why i feel like the anti-imperialist media is so important because they really do cut through this bullshit right. this it's like a wave of bullshit because there'll be like 10 stories from 10 different media sources but then they're all quoting the same state yeah. department officials and these bullshit numbers and it's just well you can never and, the, and then you have you people know? Like that are just fly after fly after fly they just yeah. keep coming at you and you're like bam 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 yeah man. and it's, it's just, just and yeah. people keep sharing these Welcome. articles like well-intentioned people friends of mine or whatever and it's just like man how are you falling for this shit <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, it, what's more insane. dangerous about about the level of prop being propagandized in this country is the fact that people truly believe that we live in like this democracy where it's like everything's free flow of information, so that we're not susceptible to that. So there's not even like a a built in like, oh wow, am I being propagandized? For a lot of people, if they like, oh, it's America, we have freedom of the press and stuff. I mean, and I think the New York Times is reliable. Yeah. are not that gullible anymore but it's like there's a lot of people who are and yeah. the reality is that notion if you live in a society where you have a more jaded population that's actually probably a better thing quite frankly <laughs> yeah no i mean i think that just like the whole concept of of okay we know the government has lied and invaded like 80 or 100 countries but that's like way way in the back of people's minds and what's in yeah. the forefront is donald it's trump is past, president man. and he's president because the russians bought 15 dollars worth of facebook ads and that's the reason and yeah, they, that's they, the they, reason we don't have health care and that's the they, reason that cops right. are shooting people in oakland is because of the russians or whatever it's just yeah. it's such a fucking insult they're, they're fomenting racial insult. discord on our streets this is serious and you know if you, i listened to rachel maddow last year and she told me that the russians to cut off the heating in fargo in the middle of a blizzard i mean so how do we not get fired up about this yeah russian russian you know, cause... I mean, how do we not russians... what, if they, what if they cut the power grid off <laughs> When it's negative 40 in Fargo, what, what will you do? Yeah, exactly. What, what will you do? Yeah. How will you take care of your family? I know, and it's happening in Vermont, like that story. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I mean, they just, they float yeah, all these different... The Rachel Maddow rant about the weather in Fargo and how, like, what if during the middle of, like, a big blizzard in North Dakota, the Russians just cut the power? <laughs> what would you do? But How meanwhile, they've been, you know, with I think what I think is really crazy about a lot of this shit, especially in terms of like the American kind of imperialist, you know, is that a lot of it is projection. 
you know totally. didn't didn't yeah. didn't we actually try to do that in in you know like iran and venezuela right. like you yeah, know yeah. so it's like we, we're, we, we did do we're that guilty of a lot of yeah. the th you know i mean even the concept with the the election with yeltsin in 96 that we bragged about you know pushing Stealing yeltsin plan, on yeah. russia it's like and and that you know during the whole Russiagate thing, I mean, I think like Mark Ames and obviously a few people brought that up. But again, a very very obvious talking point if if you're talking about meddling in elections that we actually did do that in Russia in the mid nineties, right. and that literally never ever ever comes up ever. By the way, Mark it's like, Ames, what the fuck, man? Mark Ames has the best tweet of the weekend award. Uh, just very frankly, a few hours ago. Jesus was a tanky. Oh yeah, Jesus was a tanky, and then someone was like, <laughs> "Yeah, exactly." <laughs> I know. Uh, it, it, there is a lot of this kind of like funny, like, well, there was that whole thing on Twitter for a while that like Karl Marx is too white for you know, like all these weird. It's just like ops. It just seems it feels yeah. like ops, man. And then of course, yeah. like, uh, well, the other thing, I mean, both of us probably, I definitely do spend too much time in social media. I need to read more, but. uh you know, just the concept of, uh, you know, like Twitter basically suspending Venezuelan analysis again, yet again, and, 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 and basically purging all these accounts. And again, do people really realize that social media is also on the same side as the State Department pulling right. out of all kind of... And because it's a private company, it's like the classic well, shit. They basically sus suspend people. There's never yeah. any reason. Well, they, no, yeah. well, there is quote unquote unusual activity or quote unquote, it does, you know, they violated community standards. And it's like, it's kind of like the sort of like classic police thing. Well, you were disturbing the peace. Like, what the fuck does that even yeah, mean? Yeah, what does that it's mean? It's just like, man? it could be anything. <laughs> Like, right, like right. you were you were disrupting community standards. What by not going along with the U.S. American Empire and its goals? Or you can just always like, kind of say loitering, you know, whenever you feel like it, right? <laughs> it's just crazy. It's just like uh, it is like a very obnoxious, very infuriating world where you just have these kind of oppressive, kind of racists, basically trying to just you know say no you're the racist and, and we're gonna like push yeah, you no, out I mean, and like all this shit it's just bullying it's just bullying it's just bullying it's, yeah, it's and, awful and like if, it, if what's upside down is right side up and you know yeah it's, it's like outside, it's like it's what Fela talked it's about like, upside down <laughs> yeah yeah and like to go back to russia real quick i think it's important to point out that like you know there's a lot of stuff that is messed up about russia now but let's like look at why that is and like the reality is we went in there with the harvard boys like larry summers and and jeffrey Sachs in the 90s and imposed on them this like rigid free market you know orthodoxy and and it was like it wasn't just some organic like democratic desire of the russian people to have like this you know, disastrous free market experience like imposed on them. And, and yeah, when, when Putin ended up shit turning away from that and kind of like renationalizing some of the industry and reining in some of the oligarchs, of course, that's framed as like authoritarianism. And like, uh, yeah, and, I don't want to hear about authoritarianism when you, you just know, look just, at this I, country I, 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 like, I shut, never have to hear that word again in my life. I'd be, I'd be fuck fine. Up. Like these cops are out of control. Like you know when they pushed down that guy in Buffalo who was like seventy five, yeah, well, I mean, and then these motherfuckers are saying he tripped. It's like I don't want to hear about authoritarian and other. It's like I feel like there was like an article I think that just came out of Mondo Wise talking about you know that you know the American narcissism of of blaming Russia. It's like it really is this like variant of American exceptionalism. It's right. just a serious right. bubble. Like we can't 
you know, actually look inward and look at ourselves and look at this country. So we have to blame someone else. And, oh, lo and behold, there is a CIA type planted story that for us to believe, like all of a sudden, like we're concerned with like uh, the Uyghur uh um, yeah, I mean, Muslims. we're not concerned about Muslims at all. It's like it's like, it's like what's been happening in Yemen Muslims for years, much less Yemen. Iraq or Libya or but any of these countries. We're bleeding hearts now, like us, you know, like, liberal NGO interventionist types for Uyghur Muslims. You know, it's just, I, I it's don't so get just how people and, fall for yeah. this shit, man. It's like un, you're adults, like real, I'm man. like a DJ. You know, it's like I'm not even a political analysis, like. How do you fall for this? I mean, I I I enjoy your political. I'm just saying. No, but I'm just saying. Like you know, it's like for people that are just like, come on, man. I don't know. I know you just. It seems very obvious. It seems very. It's sort of this disillusioning experience that never ends, where you just are incredulous at like people you know and otherwise enjoy being around in like other contexts where you're not like engaging in political discourse right, like, right. are like good reasonable people reasonable people right yet, reasonable people but but, exactly. but but yet but yet we're just constantly let down because we just see like how people compartmentalize their lives here in the west you know like and that's one thing under capitalism i think people like almost to like do well in a sort of a capitalistic sense and to be a success be successful in the society you have to almost be really good at like big just not looking at the big picture and just isolating every every single little thing is like the limited scope of what you're specifically doing in that moment i mean you think right. of like in court cases and whatnot and how like you know lawyers minds are so just rigidly binded well how does this narrowly relate to the facts of like this particular incident like you know even if like bringing in other contexts actually could and does you know could very much illuminate and give you know shed light on like the motivations and other things but people are very much oriented towards this idea of like um specialization narrowly staying in your lane and reality is like we need to encourage like i used to like kind of get down on myself being like a kid who had ADHD, was labeled with that growing up, but not like in a huge hyper way, but just if I was interested and engaged, I'd be really engaged. But if I wasn't, right. I'm just kind of like daydream and like, you know, doodle or whatever and like in a class. So it's not like, you know, it, it, there's a lot of kids like that I started realizing, especially people that are, are more, more artistic than I am and whatnot. But for me, I always had the ability to kind of like see complexity and nuance and see connections between a lot of different things that other people see as sort of disparate and not being connected and, and i think that that's a large problem is we think that some some of what people label as being scatterbrained is really just being actively engaged and trying to put the puzzle pieces together wow that's and, good yeah, yeah that's good and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing you know uh, yeah and i think a lot of these things are in our i mean a lot of like my activism and just you know getting more radical really does come down to human rights you know it's like no i don't want kids being killed you know what i mean it's like yeah, and, and i think most even, people even i think most people it, on a on a surface would say they're yeah. down with that but then it's just the warping of right. media and well, and you know like i said these kind of long time propaganda traditions yeah. I don't and, mean to jump in on you real quick. But I just no, think even ahead. that term "human rights," man, is like it's like they've even oh, yeah. robbed that from well, our. Yeah, like, like, Kenne Kenneth Roth. He's one of my like, favorite. Just, <laughs> justify redeem changes. You know, Samantha Power, like Miss Queen of Human Rights. You or know, human, was it Human Rights Watch? Was that like yeah, Ken, Ken Roth? Like, it, just, it makes me mad though. They've like oh, robbed yeah. the he's term. One of the worst it, dudes. it should be objectively something we all support, and like made it where honestly, when I hear it now. 
I immediately have to like kind of think, well, is the person being genuine? Or I, and I know you are. Of well, course, no, they're they're well, like, they're yeah, or, they're they're out to destroy yeah. the uh, the English language. You know, they turn turn. <laughs> no, it, they're though. they're yeah. they're turning everything into junk English. Like for example, the word progressive, it means absolutely fucking nothing. Now. It's a vacuous term. It, it's I mean, just I don't really even know what like the left. The left means. Yeah, in, well, in that's why I'm just like, I fuck it. I'll just say I'm communist because even you, you saying you're left. No, because like you know, even if you're not like, even to say you're leftist, like it's like. Is I'm that a really leninist? You know, like you gotta... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does yeah, you, you know, be specific just, these days. Well, it's just because because they destroy these terms because you have right. groups like Human Rights Watch, which then are just like, yeah, we gotta like increase the sanctions on Venezuela and and keep them from getting medicine, and it's like, what and kind they, of fucking human rights way where it's like <laughs> such a preponderance of common sense behind it as to like gaslight you and the then make you feel like shit. you're crazy classic if you like shit. say something against it. I mean, I even know in context where it's like there's certain spaces where I'll, I, I like won't speak up necessarily if it's like if i'm in a work type thing or like a workshop that's related to my job you know and like yeah, yeah i'm not gonna like just come out and just speak openly but i i will inject things but like i'll plant seeds sort of but at the same time you know you're going up against a sort of like quote-unquote socially constructed view of common sense that like the people are not used to hearing stuff so if i just like kind of use an opportunity where it's even somehow relatable to bring up something like such as Venezuela or whatever. And maybe we're talking about, you know, I mean, one example I do, where I do get to bring in politics is talking about, we have a lot of undocumented students here in Jersey city. And like, so there you go. it allows me the ability to bring in the example of look at the contrast between Honduras, um, Guatemala, El Salvador with like Nicaragua, right. where are people fleeing from now causing this like migration crisis that, you know, all these right wingers just see as like an invasion when really it's a crisis of like neoliberal economics being imposed on them through regime change and dirty wars that have led to people like their countries being utterly unlivable. I mean, I know Max well, it's, it's, again, it, like and another down in Honduras recently. Yeah, well, yeah. again, another. Yeah, Honduras is another excellent example. Yeah. Honduras is something that you rarely, rarely see get mentioned in mainstream media as as compared to something like Venezuela, and mm -hmm. and that and that even that whole concept of like sending well, you know like why, sending right? like I mean, yeah, well, sending like the navy fleet down to say that Mar you know <laughs> Maduro is some narco. You know, Not terrorist, but meanwhile, but meanwhile, like JOH, like that dude, right. yeah. and his brother, like fucking, like with like, Tony twenty Hernandez tons of signing bricks of coke. Man. Like, <laughs> it's like something out of like cocaine yeah. cowboys for like you know, but that happened like what one or what two about years Marco ago, Rubio, man. Like Marco Rubio's brother or whatever. It oh, was. I see. Like, I didn't I even mean, know Marco Rubio was up on that shit. But basically, well, yeah, I mean, again, like ask, it's yeah. it's just classic that we are, uh, you know you know trying to push somebody like maduro as being some sort of narco head of state when we actually do actually support someone who is a fucking like narco dictator so well, yeah there's nothing wrong with being a narco dictator you just gotta learn to play ball like, so if you want to play ball with washington and elliot abrams you know then yeah, hey, man, exactly. you know, do your thing man well that's it yeah it's like, a, i mean the, the classic thing is like yeah let's bring back the team let's 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 have elliot abrams up on this shit it's like come on yeah I'm, did you see i mean again it, like of... if you if you just do like five minutes of homework on these people it's like yo these people are so fucked up like 
Do not talk about Russia. Talk about Elliot Abrams. Talk about Henry Kissinger. Like, shut up. The fact that Elliot Abrams gets to walk around breathing free free air and, like, ever have a moment of peace disturbs me. I got to give a shout out to Wyatt Reed, who, like, writes for the Gray Zone. Yeah, Wyatt Reed's great. Bolivia is a friend of mine. um, Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he's doing, I follow, he's he's, he's doing, like, great reporting out of Bolivia. Yeah, yeah, he's a great, great guy. And, like, he, uh, he's down in D.C., and, and he actually, yeah, uh, check out the stuff he did with with Elliot Abrams. It's uh, it's worth a watch. He uh, he basically got him at an event. He was speaking. At, I think it was at Johns Hopkins or one of the universities around. Oh, they disrupted DC, it, right? DC or Baltimore area, and they disrupted him in a big way. And and uh, it, it just it, it was hilarious, man. So if you get a chance to check that out, well, um, that's the thing is these people yeah. double down on arrogance. Like they they don't even care that they're responsible for the deaths of probably hundreds of thousands oh, of lives. No. So of course that's what's kind of nice about it. The, like they're just incredibly arrogant, arrogant people. I mean, even when AOC, I think, was questioning Elliot Abrams, and it's just like, you know, how dare you ask me these questions? It's like, dude, you should be in fucking jail. Holy yeah, shit. I mean, you, I mean, to th- th- be nice about it. I mean, it's like this guy. I mean, you talk about the death toll that he's actually yeah. responsible of, and you want to like really dig. He's in like Henry Kissinger and Nicaraguans <laughs> and how many Nicaraguan indigenous people and other and activists and Sandinistas were twisted. You know, died as a direct result of his death squads. It's uh, it's 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 pretty staggering when you put it that way. But yeah, we're, we're not conditioned to think of it that way because he's wearing a suit and he's. You know, with the State Department and has the veneer of like being a, you know, a guy, wealthy guy from New York City, you know, who, you know, grew up in kind of a liberal sort of upbringing. It's it's interesting how like Bill Crystal's dad, so many of these former like liberal kind of, uh, you know, you know, Jewish intellectuals, um, you know, made this shift to being neocons. Well, even like uh, they were making light of uh, Kamala Harris's dad was kind of lefty. And then obviously uh, also. Oh, May- Mayo Mayo yeah. Pete, like his dad was like yeah, man. translating some trend. like I forget some like maybe Italian Marxist type guys. Well, uh, I, I actually do know about Donald Harris a little bit if you want to hear this. Yeah, background. sure. All right, so Donald Harris is actually it was a Marxist professor at Stanford. Um, he's a guy who's um, a Jamaican American, and uh, he especially uh, was disgusted with his daughter. When she went on the Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God and Angela Yee, it was like laughing, oh, kind of talk, about, laughing like, about smoking oh, weed yeah, like, while I mean, putting there, people in jail. There's a couple jail. levels to it. I mean, yeah. I don't I mean, it's it mainly Her laugh what's is disgusting awful. about it is she's sitting there insisting on like marijuana not being legal in California and keeping people locked up for it, right? While she's turning it into like a little joke for like political points to seem like cool and hip and whatnot. But the kids, yeah, I'm sort cool. Of thing. I'm cool. I smoked weed and I threw all these people in jail. I'm, yeah, yeah I'm you're a you're super cool. You're super. I'm a multitasker. Cool. Not to mention her dad was offended by it because he's just playing into that stereotype that's like she's cheapening the notion of like Jamaican identity being this like white sort of like stupid stoner movie stereotype right right yeah we all rastafarian we just smoke weed all day you know and he was just like what the hell are you doing you know like (laughs) (laughs) you fucking suck you know like (laughs) yeah but it is kind of funny when people kind of pivot because like especially like you know mayo pete who i'm sure we are not done with like i'm sure they're gonna be pushing that motherfucker on us for a while but it's I'm just really like it is kind of twisted. You, it's you, like if you if you come from leftist parents and yeah. it's like, what is this like? Who is a? Yeah, he clearly knows. Like it's not any issue of being naive or anything like that. It's like I mean I, I don't know. But it's well, like this kind of reverse. Like I mean, I'm going to be a rebel by uh, being a Republican. There, <laughs> I mean I'm going to be a I mean, rebel what, and work for McKinsey. It's like what the what, fuck? What, man? Yeah, yeah. I mean what what 
what percentage of words out of his mouth do you think are like just planned and like oh, dude, know, way, dude. like way he ahead of time? He, well the thing is it's almost like it's it's sort of like uh ever it, a it's a real it's a well it's a real like um almost send up of obama because basically what he's doing is he's he's trying to jack obama which yeah. you know in a way it, it shows you how empty a lot of that shit is because you know, Obama to me is like one of the slickest neoliberals of all time. Like you're never going to get Look, somebody that what, sings yeah. like Al Green and can make yeah. things seem like all hopey, changey. And uh, but you, like, you but when it's someone like Mayo P, it sort of like falls flat. You see it. You see it a little more clearly that he, how douchey right. it is when it's coming. Yeah, from you're his right. Mouth, you're right. With, you with Pete, it's with Pete. It's just like it's just it's it's so transparent. You just feel it, right? That it's just you're listening to a program bot. It's a bot. It's funny he we talk about Russian bots bot, all the time. Man. Yeah, you see, we're talking we about bots. Real, we have a real life freaking bot, man. <laughs> and like we're C- not talking about him. You got a CIA bot. Yeah, chick. yeah. Come I mean, on, whereas man. Obama, at least, like you got to give him credit in the charisma part. I mean, like obviously, just He's I mean, purely on just uh, he, you know, he fooled me first time around. I was excited for his presence. And then, of course, you know the whole gold. Well, you know, I got a, it's funny, man. Two thousand eight, my that was my last year. I was at the University of South Carolina before I transferred that, and that, so like that, you know, winter and spring when they had the South Carolina primaries set there. Right. Um, that it was kind of a crazy time to oh, be because I guess I put, South Carolina is an early one, right? Yeah, it's one of the early ones. So it's like it's it's actually the f- really big because it goes Iowa caucus, like it's New a Hampshire, fourth South one, Carolina. Right? Yeah, it's a third, third, I think. a third. But okay. it's also, but it's the first one where it's not like a pretty much all white state type deal, right? Um, so in that way, it has um a lot of you know, so added. It's just like a Jim Clyburn, right, or something. Yeah, yeah, you have Clyburn coming down, be like a kingmaker. He has yeah. this big low country, like you know, fish fry every year type thing he has, which is this big deal in South Carolina. But you know, nonetheless, it was like I mean, I was taking a class that semester. Um, this is going to just blows my mind still thinking about it, but one of my biggest mentors, and I, I really credit with like changing the trajectory of my, my politics was, uh, Dr. Cleveland Sellers I had for, you know, history of the civil rights movement and, and, and like, you know, political struggle and whatnot at, at black power movement was all tied into that too. But it was basically him teaching from about his life. You know, he was part of you know, uh, the early sit-in movements. Uh, he actually organized some in his small hometown, Denmark, South Carolina. He, uh, was you know, heavily involved with SNCC. Um, and in the last few years of Dr. King's life, uh, was, was heavily involved, especially when they did the March against fear from Memphis to Jackson, Mississippi in 66, because, uh, James Meredith, you know, the first black guy to um, attend Ole Miss, it led to like a literally like a resurrection of the Civil War, basically, in 1962, where they had to bring in federal troops to the University of Mississippi, which is known locally as Ole Miss, which is a. Another yeah, Old Miss. Game. I've I've heard of uh, I've the Old Miss Rebels, mind you. That uh, you know, and the and the thing is, the term actually is what slaves would refer to as like to the woman of like the, the lady of the plantation, Old Miss. That's twisted. Yeah, it is. So they've gotten rid of like Confederate flags at games and their Colonel Rebel mascot and stuff. But you know, again, it's another example of why sports. I feel like gives me has given me insight into like larger politics because like it's through little connections like that and having followed like Southern football as a kid growing up in the South, like that uh, it enabled me to kind of make those connections when I, you know, had people like sellers and other people later, but the funny, but the speed it forward now 
the tragedy of all this man it's like and i even had on two different occasions i went and shadowed his son in the uh, state legislature at the time as he was like you know just graduated from how um from morehouse and was at law in law school at university of south carolina the one and only israel propagandist kamala harris like sycophant bakari sellers bakari sellers oh yeah, yeah that I, guy i've, I've yeah, broken bread special. i've broken bread with that with that guy before man wow. and it's, uh, it's surreal man it's surreal because yeah, he, he's he, well, he's he's one of the true apac like you know token black dudes, and, and what's just so unbelievable man his dad was like is the real deal oh his dad was is a civil rights another legend dude. Another he was dude. framed <laughs> he was framed man for the uh the orange what they called the Orangeburg massacre which should have gotten as much attention as kent state but because of racism really it didn't we actually had tom broke all that where did that happen see i don't even know about that that's crazy oh yeah so the Orangeburg massacre uh, happened in south carolina uh Orangeburg's like uh you know between about you know columbia south carolina is in the middle of the state that's like it's actually significant to kind of do a little uh, you know digression on this because sorry south carolina is the first state to secede from the union it like you know go, has a guy john caldwell calhoun who was andrew jackson's vice president who was a real insidious like uh guy who really is like a harbinger of like the civil war happening he like was kind of like a the more liberal early in his career for the time and then he became this hardcore states rights nullification guy and really set the stage in the 1820s and 30s for like the fact that the civil war was inevitable, you know, that the South was like, was never going to voluntarily, you know, in, in slavery, it was going to have to be forced in, 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 in right. the submission. And uh, so you have that history there as like a backdrop in Columbia, you know, was burned to the ground by Sherman and like to right. I mean, in, in a way that he wanted to make a point because he knew that's where, because yeah, then Richmond also started. get burned down pretty bad too. What's that Savannah did Atlanta did. Yeah. He, uh, you know, growing up as a kid in the South, you know, with um, my parents, like I said, you know, were progressive and, you know, good, but just generally uh, outside that orbit, um, my granddad was very much into the Civil War history and heritage and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, and, and as a result, I mean, I, it's I've got a lot of that stuff as a kid, you know, BS about. You know, I feel like a lot of you know things I had to sort of deconstruct and. <laughs> yeah. And, break down because it was like you know the like oh the yankees did this and you know all these indignities to the south and you're thinking like well when you're talking about the south you're talking about the planner class and you're, it's like as like we and that's being essentially and for generations and i think people are just starting to realize this with these confederate monuments coming down is that these were all put up very deliberately by the united daughters of the confederacy yeah, daughters of the confederacy right, and like they had the turn of the century on, right yeah, go on Vox, actually. It's like a seven-minute little thing, and they basically break it down about how the UDC, like, they, they the idea of the South losing the war, but they but they won the propaganda war post-war in terms of, like, the idea that, okay, we were defeated by a larger, more industrial power, but we held them off for, like, you know, four years, and we fought valiantly, and, and uh, you know, and, 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 uh, and all these sort of ideas of this, like, the noble lost cause. And, and it, like, set the stage for when Reconstruction was abandoned with that corrupt uh, Hayes, you know, Tilden compromise in 1876, where they withdrew all the federal troops, you know, in exchange. Um, Hayes agreed that he would withdraw all the federal troops if he got elected. And as a result, some of the Southern delegates, uh, you know, went ahead and, and sided with him. 
And uh, then you have essentially, you know, all the free, the Freedmen's Bureau, that all all the gains that have been made. You know, Reconstruction's taught to kids in the South basically just terrible time. And hopefully that's starting to change now, at least white Southerners. And uh, and the reality is, it was the most radically democratic period in American history. You know, and wow. uh, the, it, and we need to, I think, really do more as just everybody in this country as we get upset about russia gate and china and all this propaganda we're bombarded with is like taking the time to go back and sort of unpack like you know the different things historically that have led to the present because history is not just a collection of dates and things that happened it's like literally the events that have taken place that have created the present reality we're in right and, well that's and that's why i think like you know again even with that ihra definition yeah. like of course to to kind of preserve the you know racism which is generally out of vogue if you really like lay it out logically so then they have to rewrite history to say well it's you know yeah. again they're they're the victims you know right yeah yeah and in reality and you should feel really sympathy for it. us like let's put up those you know you know, someone was pointing out there's like a Nazi war monument in, in South Jersey and, you know, obviously those ones in Canada. It's like, yeah, like, who, like why like why do we have these, you know, it's like, are these the victims well, well, that we should be celebrating? What's the context for the one in South know? Jersey? I actually haven't heard about. Is that is it like a, a Nazi mentioned, collaborator type thing? Or like, I mean, uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to look up because it was like a tweet, but I think it's like Ukraine yeah. related or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, or there's Croatian, a lot of, I mean, here in Jersey City, we have, I mean, I, I know if you've, you've ridden the path over and got off an exchange place you surely walk past the uh the katine statue there oh, that, that's that's well that's that's right by wfmu you know because they're yeah, in downtown yeah, exactly. jersey yeah so that's that, a, right? yeah, yeah so that's like a it's like a polish soldier right that's right, being right. bayoneted no, in the, it's, it's i mean it's classic jersey in a way because it's just straight up weird it's like what is this it's what is a pretty it's here? a it's a gigantic uh um statue it's probably like there's a base and then the statue itself is like probably 20 feet high so it's probably yeah, like it's a, the 30 feet high and, it, and, and he's, he's getting like in motion. he's blind he's blindfolded hand you know his pans are bound and there's a gigantic rifle but stuck he's in running. his back he's like in in the mo he's like yeah but he's in the motion of running but then he's like paralyzed by like i don't know like you know, the, the bayonet having pierced through his whole body and, and the, it's right basically right at where you know the sort of downtown jersey city well, where it's sort of the waterfront where yeah, you know you right would where you get off the path yeah you know so it's like everybody walking up Exchange out of the path it's path. like hello yeah. there you are you know like oh welcome to jersey city yeah you know? <laughs> welcome like, to jersey city. <laughs> speaking of that there's actually there's a, a ridiculous political controversy over here mayor steve full up was like for you know understandable reasons his developer friends like you were like this is not really the kind of look we're looking for like in terms of like the waterfront here so they decided they were going to like move it oh really like, i didn't like, know that yeah man and they all these like polish people like polish americans in jersey city and around the area just like just get, went got became incensed and like it got to be such a crazy thing that the polish uh prime minister like not the president the president's this guy andre duda but like the prime minister's woman actually um you know came to jersey city to like you know wow meet, i missed with, all that that's crazy that's yeah insane. yeah this was a big thing man it was uh and the, the, the they were they were fired up man the, the the polish crowd over here so uh they they ended up they get to keep their statue there as the uh the summation so <laughs> 
But real quick, I wanted to just go back for real quick. I mentioned Orangeburg, South Carolina. Yes, I got off yes, for like, yes. You know, I know we we're, we're on some ADD tan and tangents you know, you here. Know, uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's all bad, good, you know? man. That's that's Yo, the whole point like, of this podcast so, is it's not very uh, defined, so it's all yeah. Good. So basically, like Orangeburg, what happened was it South Carolina State, and there was what in 1968. There's one bowling alley in this town, South Carolina State University is like the largest HBCU in South Carolina. Orangeburg is a majority black city. Like it's a, uh, a place that was a, you know, big cotton growing area in the South. It's like, it's Southeast of Columbia on the way to Charleston. And uh, anyways, they had, so Snake had targeted this bowling alley to be a place where they were going to like, you know, demand that, I mean, first of all, this is five years, four or five years after the civil rights act of 64 is in place. So it's like flagrantly in violation of like federal law, Right. but South Carolina, like highway patrol and local cops aren't enforcing it. Um, and it, it is messed up. It's like literally the only bowling alley in this town. College students want to be able to go, go out and enjoy it. And they're not allowed to. So, um, you know, they, it was a multi-day thing. They were camped out and like, basically they started up like a, uh, it was a cold night, um and started up like a little bonfire thing and uh and one thing led to another but um they what was the deal where it, it started off where like some cop claimed that like you know he was uh uh you know got hit hit with something and thought it was a weapon or whatever and then like you know one thing led to another 30 30 students were shot three wow. three three students murdered um in cold blood man all unarmed to this day, you finally had the state of South Carolina apologize in like like '93, just but do nothing at that point. And that's after in Cleveland Sellers, my professor, like who, um, you know, was 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 very close with Stokely Carmichael. Like they were like extremely tight. Obviously, people have been talking about recently because of uh, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. I know. <laughs> yeah, I've actually but, been playing some clips on my show because Aaron Monte uh, uh, interviewed yeah. uh, this. Uh, Professor, I forget his name. Uh, yeah, I forget his name. Pernil, too, but he's at the Joseph. Of Texas at yeah, Austin. but yeah. he he was like breaking down the science on like uh, the importance of Stokely Carmichael. Yeah, definitely Hugely like a, just an yeah. incredible figure. And yeah, for yeah. Bill Clinton, you know, again, like why are these douchebags even fucking talking at John? You know, like why, well, I guess why it's is Bill John Lewis and his? No, will, I know, like, I know, know because like, he's a yeah, star, why, why but it's like. Feel- the like, license to then just because uh, he's speaking at John Lewis's funeral to go invoke a, a dead a Sophie Carmichael or Kwame Ture because they gotta no take swipes because they're to arrogant because they're between, arrogant arrogant yeah. arrogant motherfuckers that you like I'm gonna be at John Lewis's funeral and I'm gonna take a swipe at Stokely it's like fuck these people man yeah it's a way to like so bad de- as a way to so demarcate bad. like the good black people from like the troublemakers you know that's all that's all that really is Bill Deep Clinton the, uh, like the Clintons he, man it's like yo stay in the woods why did you come out of the woods I mean, yeah what, what does he do I mean, I guess he's still they, they, they still live in New York, right? Like uh, outside yeah, the city. Chappaqua, I forget. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere. golly, it just annoys me to know that they're just out there hanging out, you know, just living the. Well, it's just I mean, it's endless. These people never go away, like Hillary and all the shit. And then of course it's like, of course you have like the general discourse, uh, especially on Facebook, that sort of a wasteland is you're helping Trump. It's like, dude, these people are not good. <sighs> Again, this isn't Man. this. Uh, that's where like the the Kool Aid is a little deep. It's like can can we say that Biden Trump, is man. not good? Can we say that you know the Clintons yeah. are not good? No, like know, according to if them, we can't, can't say that, according then fuck them, you, you because it, they are terrible. Okay, yeah, Trump is is terrible, but you know, I, Look, I, I'll I, be willing to have a conversation with you like about like you know. I mean, I I don't I hate the whole less. I don't care if I ever 
I, I never hear the lesser of two evils as a you know. Well, now now it's like well now they realize life. that that's a bad term. You know, their focus groups have come back negative on lesser two evils, so now it's quote unquote harm reduction. Yeah, I mean, but, but dude, the they're out to destroy the hum- they're, they're, they're out to destroy the English language. Like they will it's render not- all these terms useless, all of them. Right. And it, yeah, it's all an of them. That teacher, harm man, reduction will be off, like man. like I see you. That's also been reduced to nothing, you know, because yeah, because that was like that shit that yeah. like Biden kept saying, like I see you. It means nothing. Weird, it means nothing. He it did means with nothing. like Keegan. What was his name? Keegan. Uh, what's the comedian guy? I forget his last name now. But where it's like they're in quarantine together, and it's like this really awkward. Like I thought it was like a joke, like a some comedian was doing but like it was an actual like biden commercial where it's like he's down there like oh the dad says like you know oh i think you know oh man it's getting late i gotta go he's like, where are you gonna go we're in quarantine <laughs> we got plenty of time and like he's the other guys looking at him like oh dang i guess you're right yeah i mean it's just kind of like again like we we can't even call again it's like emperor's new clothes thing we can't call out like just how crazy this is like he because what was that whole story recently where biden was hanging out with uh this 13 year old that was stuttering and like trying to help him out so so they're basically trying to say like you know people who stutter are still normal people and it's like dude you don't have a stutter you have dementia like this shit is so cheap God, these yeah. games are so fucking cheap. Well, I guess Biden's saying, I guess he had it. It's one of those things you can never confirm now, right? Because it's like maybe he had a stuttering problem when he's a kid, but like it's sort of like you're going to believe him if you want to. But I, I mean, mean, if you <laughs> look, but the thing about the Biden yeah. footage that's just very clear is like, look at his shit in the 90s. Look at his shit even in the, the, the early 80s. 2000s. Like, He's he sounds sharp like yeah he's a neoliberal dipshit but right, at the but same he time to, he's he, didn't have he's, he, he knows how to talk like he can he's a capable politician in terms of just speaking you know so well, he, he really he really sounds yeah. different now he really sounds markedly different but what what's just remarkable or what what do people me? keep saying is like elder abuse it's like why are you yeah, like why, running I don't this... even like that because it's just like it executed he's being abused in some way like whatever I mean it's yeah like, yeah I, I know what not. you mean I get the point and it is but it's like, like they're funny, pushing but... this guy I mean maybe he's pushing himself too knowing Biden True. but it's like it, dude but, it's like come on man what but you remember fuck? man back in like late February early March I mean it looked like I mean he was just done I remember a few times like like seeing Morning Joe and them just like basically just writing his obituary. It was over. So it's like what happened? I think well, what I think actually they got happened the, they was got Obama the... got on the phone with Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar. Well, the, the said, Super you're going to drop thing. out. Jim Clyburn's going to endorse Biden. And it's like a whole, the whole machine just machine. coalesced the around machine. and made this power move to fuck Sanders. Basically. And then like, yeah, yeah. Elizabeth Warren, why don't you, you know, make some hoopla? And she gets nothing. I like, again. Yeah, these I'm characters, and again, if you if you call them out for what you are, you're you're quote unquote helping Trump. No, she's a snake. Trump, right? She's Trump. awful. Like like what? Well, this whole DNC thing where is... she was like speaking at like the Native American, you know, oh kind my of God. breakout that, I mean, room. She, she it's like it. bad jokes, really yeah, bad mean, jokes, really bad jokes. It's so it, it's just Fucking insane bad. to me, man. I mean, I, it's just like the whole the notion that. Um, you know, out of all people, like the you know Joe Biden, when you look at his record with Anita Hill, and you look back, at oh, yeah, Anita Hill, Hill, like like oh, we got to save the Supreme Court. It's like what didn't he help fucking right. get Clarence Thomas? I mean, like but, come but on. But I mean, how? 
how someone like Jim Clyburn, like, I mean, what is it that like makes like, cause I, I know this, like talking to a lot of you know people of color and stuff, there's a huge generational divide amongst black Americans, you know, in terms of like support for, for Biden, you know, it was like old, mainly older black voters, you know, that right. like really, you know, uh, they went for it and Clyburn definitely had a big role in that, but it, it's not younger, younger black people are like, are, are not, I mean, they'll, I mean, in large, I mean, there'll be a lot that'll just go ahead and vote for him because of Trump, but like, and by and large, there's a huge generational divide there, and it's something that um, well, I just think, like again, yeah. you know, the whole lesser two evils, harm reduction, whatever the hell they're going to come up with next week. Well, it's they just, really convinced it's very people twisted. that Bernie that it's Bernie just, couldn't win. Well, I guess. Just, you just well, bombard people in the media, I mean, Bernie, and CNN, I, MSNBC. I, I, People say it's like, oh, you're, you know, you're in some sort of cult and whatever. I mean, I was supportive of Bernie, even though I know that, like, I called him yeah. like a latent well, imperialist. Like everyone else, is. everyone gets an F in in foreign policy in terms of they're all basically down with the American Empire. Pretty much every single U.S. politician. But oh, I would give, I would give, I would give I Bernie mean, like a D or D minus because at least he was, you know, he would make an effort, you know, to try and like do yeah, things but, but like but this whole really, but this whole thing now about like just capitulating and not even be able to get medicaid for all and just you know building this whole movement and then turning around and saying you got to vote for biden and dropping out dropping out when you know biden had a credible rape allegation that i still think is credible like you don't even hear about like tara reed anymore and like yeah, yeah. Oh, it's I, just I, it's I, just like there's some i mean i i know talking to some people that I've, you know, respect and we both mutually know, like, um, I, I just, you know, there's, there is skepticism about it. I mean, it's like, you know, you wonder why Trump's not making a bigger deal about that right now. Well, I also think, you know, Trump is, 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 it's, it's sort of, well, it's, yeah, it's vote for the lesser rapist. I mean, Trump is probably fucked with more people. True, but. true, true. Yeah. So it's, that's probably not what he wants to do, but, uh, no, but it's yeah, just, I mean, it's well, twisted. Let's not forget though. Let's not forget Biden, like his role, I think as vice president when he came in. So after the 2008, the great recession stuff was, and then we were looking at the bailout type bills and we we're looking at, you know, TARP and these different like, uh, bills are going to be passed as ways to like reform the uh, the mortgage sector and in and, and housing and and all and it's in, in in debt and student loan debt and, and so student loan debt specifically he intervenes on behalf of like the the credit industry you know bankers that are in his home state of delaware and the interests that you know they represent and others too outside there he's i think he's you know this is in 2009 now so he would have just become vice president but he's one of the main reasons that student loan debt is exempt from bankruptcy protection like wow. the, you know when you think of like all See, the i other didn't even know debt, that it's like biden personally intervened to make sure that um in under no circumstances could student to students that uh, have you know student loan debt they'll never be able to repay ever get any kind of bankruptcy relief um and that's something he did directly as a favor um for the, the 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 banking lending industry that uh you know that has supported him so so loyally um and 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 he's returned the favor obviously and i think it's something that just makes it particularly hard to swallow in in terms of like this whole lead up to this election because it's like at what point you have like i mean jimmy Dore made the point recently about like you know you're like if you literally just keep going with this like democratic party stuff are you like you're an abused child you're like an abusive no it's, it is right? i actually have made that analogy many times too it is an absolutely gaslighting 
abuse of a relationship or some with someone that basically well or a party that is that that does not give one fuck about you but still demands your vote and demands like your support but they don't oh, give yeah, one fuck about yeah. you like you know the whole thing yeah. about biden it's like and then again like think about this like in the middle of a pandemic they still can't offer medicaid, medicaid for, all. for all you know I biden mean, biden was like i'll lower it I'll lower it to the, 60, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's like it's like these kind of like trivial type things and and what's kind of also twisted is that Medicaid for, you know, Medicare for all well, med- yeah. is is a winning platform. Like Absolutely. as many but many the, many but, people but, have but, said like you'll win so, by 10 yeah. points easily, 20 but points you, if you adopt it. So you don't even want to really win. Care, you don't even want to win because They don't let you're right. Because the big pharma money is worth more than them even winning this particular right. election. No, no, well, check about check this. I mean, Because <laughs> once they go it. once they go with Medicare for all, then big pharma done. They're not who's going to be like, "You know what? I want to start paying like $500 for Cobra again and not have free health insurance." Like Right. Yeah, that's I mean, never like, going to happen and they realize it'll never go back so it's like well, yeah, literally to, holding on for as long as they fucking can even during a fucking pandemic like come mm, on yeah, even during it, even letting a fascist like trump run a you know potentially run amok for another four years much less they yeah. would have won in 2016 like he would have never even have been president well let's you not know? forget how much money the last four years have been very good the schumer to pelosi the democratic establishment you know you don't have the burden of like actually you know being in power you're able to send out these like annoying right. i mean these emails fundraising stuff you're able to get like huge amounts of money in by like oh look at what trump said look at all oh, look at this like, can you believe how He's outrageous the ultimate, this is yeah trump's and, the ultimate like, cartoon character you know? yeah, yeah yeah exactly but going back to the whole medicare for all thing it's like you know the the thing is it's like it is you're able to then yeah the the prescription drug stuff it's like the reason they're able to get away with that these private companies is like if we had a single payer and the government was like setting the prices on things like they, they would just it would be over game over so it's like it's an existential battle for them to defeat medicare for all and yeah. the reality is you're right you brought up the thing like it's a winner it's a winner we know it and it's like, a super beyond winner. all that there's a there's a basic public health aspect of this in a pandemic you know my hope was at the beginning of this that one of the silver linings would be that people would finally realize that you know more so than ever that homeless guy you drive by in the car and never give any change to and you see in the media and every day or whatever or whoever it is people that you know people just look by ignore and just kind of assume they probably made bad decisions whatever it may be um that your health is dependent on the well-being of others in ways that never has been before in terms of stopping the spread right in terms of making sure if people had housing and weren't in like these unstable situations where they're having to live out in the street and be in close proximity to others or be packed in in tight quarters with others especially in a in the new york city area like where you know where we are here it's uh you know it, these things and the fact that people's where the people are all losing their jobs and their health care and their ability to Tied access to employment is just tethered to your employment. I mean, look, I, I enjoy being a teacher. I, I like my job and stuff, but it, I do get depressed sometimes thinking like, you know, I may want to just, you know, what if I wanted to just go and go in full time? You know, I've had discussions with Max before and going and you know, doing the journalism thing full time and, 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 and or podcasting full time. I, I feel like I could really do it. But the problem is I do have some chronic medical conditions going back to my, my back stuff from uh, the football injuries right, right. that I have to manage. And, right. and so I have monthly regular costs that are built in. So it's a, for me personally, it's a much bigger risk because any right. lapse in coverage would then bring in other 
you know, issues in terms of getting recovered, I guess. So it's like, yeah, just so when they, even uh, if you want to look at it from a total like free market libertarian type way, just to, like for a thought experiment, like it's not good for business in that respect because these business owners are then having to like they always complain about the cost of like having to like provide health insurance for their employees and whatnot. Like, you know, in terms of like making hiring more burdensome, um, it makes it where um, people are less likely to take be an entrepreneur and take a chance and go do something and try to create something because you know if it doesn't Unless work it's out, big you know, money. my health insurance. Well, that's right? the so whole thing. It's even just, under the logic of their own free market shit, you know. Yeah, it but it's not about it's not about logic. It's really just about concentrating yeah. power, and then right. they kind right. of they kind of guise it under the way of like this is logical and you know like I mean the classic shit is like how many you know times was you know medicaid for all uh basically mentioned like how are you going to pay for it and then yeah. and, you know yeah, like, about the like endless budget. endless just, endless and yeah. then no like even the pentagon budget even the the bailouts that they just yeah. how are we going to pay for it how are we going to pay for it oh we're just going to create what about like, kamala harris Couldn't even hundreds of billions or trillions out of nowhere and give it mostly yeah. to you know whatever random well then businesses. we just but then we just print out you know 300 million you know whatever however 100 million 1200 checks and just send them out out of thin air right when they've told us we're broke right so it just it shows you right there that like you know, I guess that gets in the modern m monetary theory and stuff and the idea of like, you know, as long as the dollar is backed up by the the long arm of U.S. imperialism and, and the military might that, that, that backs it up. It's like, yeah, you know, I mean, and even like jumping to other tangents, system, like that's it, like the whole thing of like. We got to ban TikTok, which of course was with all the shit going on. It's like let's Ooh, talk no, the about CCP might have your data. Oh my god! You know, like what right? I mean. What I mean, it really, what it is, is they don't want Chinese companies to be successful. They want them, right. if anything, to just be like you make our sophisticated <laughs> products in your factories, and we pay you a low wage, and we don't want yeah. you, we do. You know, we you know that was the whole uh, campaign against. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Hawaii or whatever. Huawei. 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 Yeah. 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 Like I mean, just, you know, it's I mean, like I they basically, it's, a, it's better phones than Apple. Well, really. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. American empire. It's sort of built in this kind of like, you know, you're almost like, uh, it's like financial, you know, it's like piracy dominance type of shit. Yeah. You know, like we're going to run the world. We're the, you know, we're not going to allow people to potentially come in and, and actually have a market. So no, they don't right. believe in their market. You know, their market no. shit is backed up by gangsterism, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's all know? about keeping these countries as captive markets, basically. Exactly. And like any country you see, whether it be Libya, whether it be Venezuela, whether it be Syria that wants to, you know, chart their own course, you know, exercise their right to be in a, a sovereign nation and have their own their own economy and not be just a vassal state, suddenly you're the human rights abusers we have to worry ourselves about right well, yeah uh, i mean and, yeah. and just like as many people have mentioned that like you know the sanctions like that's another that i mean basically sanctions are war like they you know war. sanctions yeah. sanctions kill people but again like in in the the realm of junk english like where it doesn't sound like war it's not like people are quote unquote you're sending like I mean, like actual right, you know soldiers to die but you know if you basically can control the whole banking system around the world so that people can't actually buy shit or right. if people do or get penalized for doing business with you 
so that's, that's the whole, the whole twisted thing. of like you know even like the recent was it caesar sanctions against syria it's like yeah we're there stealing their oil we burned down their wheat fields and then and we've destroyed that country by you know funneling all these groups to try and basically you know i mean they won the war but i mean at what cost and then on top of that you can't rebuild your country you can't get medicine it's it's right. and especially during a pandemic you know like with well, like shit we, in iran and venezuela and i'm sorry it's just it's yeah. fucking sick like don't talk about china don't talk about russia like we are such a fucking sadistic nation man like, yeah, think about like what the us does around the world a little bit like spend five minutes thinking about that shit you know i mean just look, think about now with the port in beirut being blown up you know that's just exacerbating the crisis in syria even more a lot of a lot of goods and services were coming in right. and out through there but yeah anybody basically um that does any you know transactions with syria at all there's people at the treasury department in dc who spend their entire day uh, basically, like the guest Aaron Monte had on his show recently was talking about this. I was watching earlier that had describing how like their job all day long is to sit there and find people to shut their bank account down. You know, use the sanctions. Oh, you're shut down. You're shut down. You're shut down. You're shut down. So like any buying and selling transaction, import, export business completely off the table. So, I mean, and then you look at like just the name, the gray zone. I mean, the reason Max picked that is because it comes from the U.S. like national security state. The idea of gray zone warfare, where it's like hybrid warfare, hybrid warfare, which is and, which and is zone, which is the like age a, we're living in. This is this is yeah, what is happening right now. You yeah, know? they recognize that whole book, the management of savagery, is right. about how they've recognized that big full scale military conflicts like the invasion of Iraq are not like they lead to mass protests and and just, and people and 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 now that them being more. You yeah, know, they're kind of more slick about it. I mean, like, even, like, yeah. uh, you know, that as someone on Twitter mentioned this, like, you know, people that don't talk about AFRICOM enough, like, the, yeah. the you know, this, created that. yeah, and that we're in, like, dozens and dozens of countries in Africa. Like, when Man, do you, you when do you Niger? read about you that? Niger, in the, when they just four soldiers, like, got kidnapped or killed or whatever, and people are like, oh, we have, we're, we're in Niger, 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 we're in Niger, what, you know, what, I, what, what the heck? I'm like, yeah, we're all over Africa, motherfucker. You know, yeah, like, no, I mean, it's insane. But like, the thing is, you just don't. Again, that's like the concept in the media, of course, out of sight, out of mind. And they know that like you don't ever really read about how many U.S. operations are happening in Africa. It's kind of insane. It's I mean, crazy. They use Djibouti as a big staging place. There are a lot of a lot of troops concentrated right there. And then they, you know, there's then there's secret sites all throughout the continent for sure. But yeah i mean it's yeah it's it's tough man i mean i just think and again what you were saying before about looking at things from a big picture i think when you do kind of look at things in a, in a bigger picture especially historical you know like looking at like what the west has sort of done to global south nations for hundreds of years you know that's that's why i feel like people should be a little bit more savvy and maybe not necessarily be like yay america and yay our home team but like look yeah. at look at what we do and, and we're not well, the, good the problem guys, is people you know? just are like inherently uncomfortable with that and they're also like it's like the the implications of that mean that you have to like really kind of like re-examine you know like the to come and to recognize truth as we understand it and like as it just objectively is 
that they that the media, corporate media, and the, the ruling class in this country like worked relentlessly to obfuscate. It's a serious bubble. Is to also have to look yourself in the mirror and say like, do I really want to just you know be part of that system and go into like a banking job or go into like you know um, you know kind of a you know corporate type job where you know I'm just going to be kind of a, either a, you know a, just sort of a you know a pawn or just like they're just you know just someone who's really irrelevant or someone who's actually doing real evil um or do you want to like you know it's like the whole matrix sort of analogy you know do you want to like uh take the blue well, no, i mean it's it's yeah it, it is a bubble and i think like american exceptionalism is is a strong bubble zionism is a very strong bubble and and to kind of like jump out of that kind of thinking it does require unraveling you know, you really have right. to like go and, and understand that probably a lot of stuff that you've been taught is completely full of shit and things that are still being pushed are completely right. full of shit. And I think it's like a hard thing for people to grasp, you yeah, know, so the they'd rather you, they'd rather the believe the, they'd rather believe the lie, you know, especially the older you are, because then it's like you don't have like the time to like even redeem, like, you know, the things you've already done or like, you know, make changes in your life and the and have a chart a new course it's like you're and then you look at it also too in just a materialist sense it's like you know there was a con you listen to like the back like chuck schwab charles schwab and like investment type uh you know advertising in the 70s and 80s and whatnot they really realized that we have to get like even the lower middle class and working class um invested in the stock market you know 401ks start replacing pensions in a lot of places and you have um the idea being that let's like interlock everybody into a system where it's like you're going to be less likely to oppose the empire and imperialism and things that are objectively wrong if it's like you know that you're materially like your retirement is materially like dependent on like the stock market like not completely cratering right. so therefore you start making compromises like a little here a little there but you start recognizing like like am i going to sit there and take on and adapt to politics that like you know sort of entails like the annihilation of like this myself as i currently understand it to be right and, right that becomes a well next that, level that's the whole thing it's like people. a it's like personally could personally hurt you or personally hurt the country that you live in but because right. but that's the whole thing is a lot of these countries are propped up by exploiting other countries like the whole thing yeah it's like when you kind of like get you you, you see those kind of like liberals online that are like you're helping Trump or what about, you know, kids in cages, but it's like where they mentioned that when Obama was deporting people or that, that what, just, or do you guys ever talk about the 1.8 or 2 million people in Gaza that are in an open air prison? Like all these things yeah, I, kind I of read about it all the time. No, I'm saying, like I'm but I'm saying a lot of people don't and wind, a lot of people know? don't even think about it. So then they kind of get presented with stuff that's in their own immediate circle of like, and yeah, Trump is a fascist. He's, yeah. he's awful, you know, but, it's like I feel like there's just not a lot of thought about like what we do around the world, and that's that's just really depressing to me. But, but let's it be really real, is, man. You know? All he's done is just expose well, the reason these like never Trumper Republicans exactly because he's not slick enough. He, he's, he's too much of like a cartoon enough. mafia he, guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. So he's ripping the veneer off. Exactly. Like the CIA, part he's of ripping like the veneer. what what they're what they pride themselves on is soft power and like being hip right. and like finding ways to like package you know, U.S. objectives in a way that, like, is consumable and appealing to young people. And you, they did that, of course, with, like, taking out the, the, 
the Soviet Union and like uh, there were other factors involved, but like the idea of like, you know, oh, like freedom and you tie you know, your domain, you know, music and stuff. And then like, the idea that music and, and culture and whatnot, you're being all deprived of this and, and locked out from this whole other world. It's just awesome and, you know, limitless potential and totally leaving out the other side of that whereas trump is not even trying to play the diplomacy game and he's like you know has he doesn't even have ambassadors at a lot of these embassies around the that's world. right he's, he's not even fundamentally he's not even... yeah he fundamentally doesn't trust like diplomats and like diplomacy so he's trying to like handle all this on his own and it's led to in a lot of cases like, so that's really why you have so much resistance from within like the deep state within the national security state is that he's embarrassing the empire well, yeah. You well, I, 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 I've said this many times that yeah. Trump is basically the pimple on the face of the empire. So right. people notice it. It's like, you know, some sort of pimple on the end of your nose, like a clown nose. And it's like, OK, it's very obvious that, you know, wow, it, this this face is very ugly, but it's always been ugly and yeah. it'll be ugly. You know, it was ugly before Trump. It'll be ugly after Trump. And, Quite and frankly, in, in foreign policy, you know, Joe Biden scares me even more. I mean, the, the only arguments like and I was talking to my dad about this, and I think he has a good point with the, talking about the Supreme Court and the courts. I mean, he's a circuit judge in Florida and he's, you know, nearing the end of his like, you know, he's got about maybe five more years. But, you know, he does uh, in civil now. But but, uh, you know, they've rotated around. He's, you know, been in you know, criminal family, civil, all that. But, you know, in terms of like these um these judicial positions you i mean uh you already have the court like in a in a way that and you look at the power they can exercise i mean that's one area i, I concede that point i mean now the national labor relations board the kind of people that are on there people that are the mediator society in osha cases and whatnot for people for workers so there are things like that that i get i get there there's this there the, the democrats will not be as bad but that having said that that's all i can really concede on that point because the flip side of that is all these neocon never trumpers the steve schmitz of the world um project are, lincoln I, I, I despise that guy by the way you know the guy mccain's uh advisor in 08 who's right. on msnbc all the time and he's like well you know i mean just when you look at like just the incredulity i had when we selected sarah palin i mean it's just i mean I mean, we really need to get back to restoring those Reagan era values when America and I know, Israel resurrecting Reagan. firm and alliance and in upholding our values and moral virtue. You know, it's like, well, how do you talk like that, first of all? But secondly, they're going to be thirsting for another neocon war. The only Bill Crystal's like, you know, endorsing Biden and stuff for just just for the hell of it. Or John Negroponte guy, you know, it's like, yeah, the, John the, Negroponte. The, yeah, the, the, these the, these. <laughs> they're dying for an intervention somewhere and like you know it does concern me there was a dimension well that's that's where there's no there's no change because they the, you know that's that's where the bipartisanship really does like come together is it's just how they want to steer it but it really is about empire and you know yeah it's yeah. like and, you know just obviously and, all the wars that we were involved in while obama was in office and again it's like yeah obama is 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 better than trump but you know it's just these people in the end really it's, even saying it's, that's but all, i mean like, again better, this lesser you know, yeah i mean like yeah. even like talking about the the court uh, you know appoint you know you know like the democrats uh uh appointing better judges but you know somebody brought this up on twitter the other day which is also something i think about which is that how many uh, appointments did the Democrats leave open when Trump came in office because they wanted to go on vacation? 
So they had all these open judge appointments that they left blank that then Trump comes in office and and basically, you know, elects all these right wing judges that literally could have been filled by Dems, but no, they had to go on vacation. Well, I mean, well, I, uh, so again, I, I don't think you can really work? even I mean, count they, like even with the, the courts thing, you know, it's like it, it, it's controlled opposition. It's like saying no, like the controlled no opposition that, yeah. is better than the actual fascism. It's like uh, yeah, it's I guess. A, it's, we, it's but you're game. right. We got we have to stop thinking like that, or else we're all going to be like. I mean, because for my whole life, there's certain people. Like I, I have a cousin that I really respect. He's been, you know, he studied under Julian Bond at like UVA and taught like history of civil rights movement classes and kind of, you know, was someone I really looked up to growing up. Was about like you know. 10 11 years older than me but uh you know he's just really into that like you know the whole like you know i mean he, he was really mad at me when he heard i voted for jill stein in 2016 <laughs> even though it's in new jersey but but uh we had like a family like you know like google meet like zoom uh, or google meet like you know family chat a few weeks ago it, it was like you know he literally like I, I just made a comment that's a few months ago now about how like Biden, you know, what what happens if they, uh, you know, they might try to replace him or something at the convention, you know, if he just mental, you know, the, the dementia keeps going. And he's just like went on this whole thing about how like you did just like the, the you know, purity test and just like you're being well, that's another and, word like someone it, I, th- just, I forget oh, like I just, someone I, I follow. Yeah. I, I think it was like Miss Socialista or somebody I follow sarcasm yeah. socialista, but. Somebody on Twitter was just like, I don't want to hear the, the word purity oh, test it, anymore. It, like it, it, again, another so another word you've destroyed. I have no no use for that anymore. Go fuck yourselves with that. It, it's so seriously go the idea fuck that yourselves. like you need to be lectured and like recognize how the adults in the room have to like deal with like yeah. The let, let me let me tell like, you about you adult. No, let's 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 you know? talk about adulthood. Let's talk about these condescending yeah. fucks. Let's talk about adulthood. You know what adulthood is? Adulthood is not caring about Palestinians. It's not caying about yeah. all these people in these other countries. You right. know that's that's your adulthood. Right. That's their adulthood. The that fuck is, is it's wrong like, with like, you? Yeah. And you're gonna no. like step like you're the fucking adult. It's like because because you basically are just like not gonna gonna blank all this shit out. Just just dark, man. It's just like that is not being an adult. Well, okay, it's that there's in, man. that's Their not that's that's right? not, gotta, that's that's not being a fucking adult. That's know, that's we're, yeah. We're, that's that, those are the adults that go to brunch. Those kind of adults. Yeah. You know, we're just the angry, like, you know, relatives that like just we just ruin like the, 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 the punching a hole in the bubble. It's all but it's all built on a false premise. You know, we don't actually we never have those conversations. So then you're the bad guy. If you ever want to, like, you know, be the one that's trying to snap people out of their, you know, you know, perpetual comas. Right. Well, the thing is, it's like like these people are, are human beings. They they're they're worth value. Like there was this guy on Twitter talking like he posted this photo like this was me in 19, like in Vietnam and for all the, the, the American soldiers that died. And it's like, yeah, OK, yeah, it's terrible. Those people died. They also shouldn't have been there. And also, what about the millions of people in vietnam what about the millions of people of all these global south wars that that you know are yeah and 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 we don't care we don't care about them we don't care about them because they're not mentioned in mainstream media which is what these people rely on for media it's like it's very like let rachel or chris hayes doesn't talk about it then it's not on my radar yeah i mean that's basically it for for and for any of these publications and right. so you kind of see that, again, I don't want to use the word like sheepy or whatever, but people are kind of led in a certain way. Like the conversations, like what we talk about as people 
on this mm-hmm. planet is led by media. You know, it's led and by so really a sociopathic class of, of people that are. It's uh, that American narcissism, and you know, right. it's like any of so, these kind of like bubble things, like Zionism or American exceptionalism, is in, inherently narcissistic because you're just thinking about your immediate circle. You know, you're right. not actually looking at the world. You're not. You're not even considering these people that mainstream media doesn't cover to be human beings. But, Shit, but the another thing that we haven't even talked about, maybe we can music. talk about briefly, is music. Yeah, so, I was about. I, I've been. I've been like on the. T- it's been on the tip of my tongue for like. No, no. So uh, yeah. So let's. I know because this is is loosely like music and politics and our kind of podcast. So, uh, you know, yeah, I realize we haven't really even. You know, there's a lot to talk with you, Nate. You're a good guy, by the way. So thanks for coming down yeah. and uh, rapping. But. um yeah, let's talk about music. Like, uh, what what did you kind of put together as a playlist, and uh, what were you uh, what were you inspired by? And my, I mean, I, I'm pretty eclectic. I mean, I like, I, you know, my dad, the kind of old school, you know, rock and roll of the '60s. I mean, I've listened to you know, from Crosby, Stills and Nash to you know, to Jefferson Airplane type stuff, Hendrix, and um, you know, that's part of my my journey. I mean, I've recently gotten into like, you know. Re- really discovering a lot of the old jazz funk, you know, artists and, and like really a kind of appreciating that is a kind of a harbinger of like hip hop. I've had a period of my life where, you know, hip hop was a big part of it, especially playing, you know, for me growing up in the South, you know, a lot of, um, you know, playing sports ironically is what, you know, led to the, you know, a, you know the most uh, integrated experiences and spaces, you know, I mean, I would be on travel basketball teams, be the only, white guy on, on teams and like kind of like you know whereas other kids that i would grow up around and know that they didn't have those experiences of uh you know kind of you know being in places and spaces where you know you're you know you you, you learn how to what it feels like to like you know be around the majority other culture and and, and background and i think as a result of that it makes you um i think uh more open-minded and also um you know more uh, maybe understanding of a uh, of a lot of the of kind of like larger you're able to contextualize things better as you get older because you you're able to draw on this kind of personal experiences but uh um yeah i mean i i'm a big fan of in terms of like early, you know early hip-hop i mean like uh, in terms of politics i mean i love keeping up with chuck d and like you know and, and old school public enemy but um but yeah, getting into like you know Duke Ellington, Louis Armstrong stuff. I mean, yeah, I really enjoy like some of the old blues just because of like the old storytelling and the idea of um, you know telling the stories of common folks, common people, not just like this uh, the way pop music does and in, in, in Hollywood and and in right, the music right. industry of just Roots like music. yeah, where it's like I mean I mean, just the uh, oh here it is all right so like one of my. Uh, one of the ones I, I was really looking at is like the tear, uh, the, this machine uh, tears down fascists or whatever. I'm on his guitar. Um, what what he got three and there's, um, you know, you, you look. You're, I mean, I really do enjoy like a lot of like music that that brings in not just politics, but just like you know, yeah, political angles, but uh, but but stuff about you know that that is able to you know incorporate you know. Uh, you know, messages of resistance and uh and and, and also just solidarity and, and really building community and uh and and uh and, and really looking to kind of like uh, synthesize like the sort of human experience 
and and from all the different things that influence people and bringing it together in a in a musical expression so i mean there's it, it, some, it can be uplifting sometimes you have the uh, i mean i was just listening to that crosby stills and nash song uh, ohio you know doing about kent state you know re- recently and even a song like this land is your land by woody guthrie you know a lot of people don't understand just like how that drives the right wing crazy you know and why does it drive them crazy so much because it's it's preaching to kids like socialism at a young age right we so we talk so much about ideology and how much stuff we're taught them you know it's being wrong you know how much stuff we're yeah uh, sharon, sharon jones has a really good cover of that actually like yeah a so cover. Like the, it drives right wingers nuts, man. I mean, they've like made efforts to ban that song. A song really? It, like, yeah, absolutely. I did say it's 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 you know it's Marxism and stuff and whatnot. And it's like, well, this it's about the idea that you know it's a yeah. I mean, maybe slow down for a minute and think like, what is it? It's so essential about in inherent inherently natural about the idea of like subdividing up land on this earth that we all just live on and like be like this is mine this is my domain this is all mine whatnot and um and 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 you know it's what leads to this whole notion of private property in the way that 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 develops sort of out of the the fall of like you know feudalism and, and well you had it already in feudalism but you know merging capitalism and and uh you know the yeah, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I know I really said, need to read it. more like Marx and Lenin and shit. I I do need to get a little more uh, edumacated, yeah. so to speak. But I mean, but, I have been like about, kind of flirting with some of that stuff. But yeah, it is kind of crazy that whole concept of like capitalism kind of coming out of feudalism. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. it's just like, and again, like and people kind of arriving so at this whole thing of like, well, this is you know, it's better than feudalism, but again. And maybe capitalism better than feudalism is the original lesser of two evils. <laughs> yeah, no. And like, look, at, look, right. look at where we're at. Like, capitalism isn't so hot either. Like, maybe we need that, to move past this shit now. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's more, I mean, even Marx talked about that, that capitalism was a progressive force in, in a period of time. But it was a, you know, that nothing stays static. And the reality, right. if you think it does, then you're just like, just denying you know yeah because a lot of people i think what's funny is like people who are like the you know kind of like looking for the pure socialism so then they're like well you know like china is not this and 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 cuba is not that that. so 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 it's not it's not good enough and it's like holy shit like If you're fucking standing up against the U.S. empire, you already get kudos. Like, come Look, fucking man. on, I mean, man. The only come revolutions on. those like, people like... Like, shut the like, fuck up, man. Jesus. The only ones they like, the revolutions they like, are the ones where they lost. You know, the Spanish Revolution. Oh, we can romanticize them. That's great. They were noble. Well, they never achieved state power. So you can look at them that way. What would even some Palestine solidarity activists do if there was like a state of Palestine that actually had power and had a military and like, you know, and, you know, arrested people and did the functions of statecraft, that statecraft, they suddenly would be really quickly, um, you know, abandoning their Palestine solidarity activism. So part of it, I feel like for some people in that anarchist orbit, it's like they almost fetishize like people suffering as like noble, you know, and that like, you right. know, like the idea of material, you know, improvements and comfort and whatnot um, being uh, adapted is like something that like, we should fear. We shouldn't fear material progress. We should fear it being all in the hands of a, 
of a vulture class that wants to like consolidate it all in fewer and fewer hands. I mean, the insanity, um, the insanity is just like how these billionaires are just making more and more money in this time when you're going to have like how many people potentially evicted, how many people that don't have health insurance in the middle of a pandemic. It's just, yeah. I again, mean, well, again, I mean, to, 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 to bind to the system and say, well, that's just how the cookie crumbles. And some people, you know, were smarter, like, yeah, like Jeff Bezos really works like yeah, literally I mean, a million times it's, harder it's, than his employee. Like, like, it's just like, it really is kind of like some really warped logic. And, and, and like a lot of people, again, that you see on, you know, people say on Twitter, like, you're a lot more closer to being homeless than being a billionaire. Like, but but again, it's like it's almost like being sold as like, if you work hard enough, you you'll get there and you just got to keep plugging away and it's just it's a very again very warped, yeah i mean people very just abusive very abusive very gaslighting like everything system, so you know? they feel so disempowered and it like it's just um and the system's designed to make them feel that way that they sort of just um you know buy into diversions or whatnot to kind of instead of trying to like you know even worry about you know things and the nature of it it feel they feel so overwhelmed by it and small and powerless and uh, as a result, that you know, every person that kind of succumbs to that is uh, another victory for the uh, for the for the for the rule for the rulers, you know, for the people that want to maintain the status quo. But um, yeah, I mean, they're just God. We're, we're, we're just uh, going with that. Well, it's all good. Point. We're just we're going around because we're both ADD, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, no, but, know, but there, no, there but the whole thing we were talking about music, really like like Dolo, Let's talk about your playlist a little bit. Yeah, man. So like the Crusaders, man. I got uh, oh, nice. Crusaders oh, are dope. Yeah, message from the inner city. I've uh, been listening to uh, Mysterious Vibes. The Black Nerds is this all kind of like to beat on that and. Um, you know, Gil Scott Heron's got a lot of good stuff, and I, I, I didn't. I mean, obviously, the revolution will not be televised, but just, uh, you know, I didn't know he's been, you know, been even on pop songs and stuff. You know, into the '90s and early 2000s. But uh, yeah, he's got a lot of good stuff going back to the, the, you know, the, the era of resistance in the late '60s and in the early '70s. Yeah, Gil Scott Heron, um, true legend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a. Uh, I mean, Rage Against the Machine had an influence on me growing up. I mean, I remember I had a teacher in ninth and tenth grade. Uh, had that. The album cover from I think what is it? What is it? Oh, yes. uh, with the with the Buddhist monk, you know, self emulation on the on the. I remember that was in right. the class. That was always something I would just sort of stare at in class, sort of like you know, just sort of think about how crazy that looked. But uh, <laughs> you know, I guess that was you know um, in the context of uh, protesting the the brutality of the South Vietnamese government, actually, uh, right. you know, which you don't hear about, you know, a whole lot you know, here, of course, keep that decontextualized. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there, I've really gotten, I mean, you know, a lot of the, the Frank Zappa, someone that I've gotten into like listening to recently. And, nice. uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I'm not like a massive, you know, like Zappa, like, but he definitely has some classic records like Hot Rats and some of those records. I wanted to ask you about the go-go genre from out of Washington, D.C. Because right. I was uh, down there in in, uh, in May and June a little bit. And, and uh, you know, actually in Max's neighborhood, there were a lot of people out just listening, jamming to go-go music. And they were just kind of yeah, like, well, that's like a this? Yeah, right. it's like a D.C. tradition um, kind of goes back, I guess, like in the 70s and 80s. Like Chuck Brown. So yeah. Chuck Brown and the Soul Searchers, he's sort of like the godfather of go-go. I mean, he actually made, like, 
funk records, you know, the Soul Searchers, they did that track Bustin' Loose that was kind of almost like a disco hit and they have tracks on like yeah, uh, they the have young, they have the tracks young, on the like funk. senators uh in black heat or, or another couple ones there I, I was talking to people a little bit about it and yeah but, well there's like like eu uh which is uh i forget what they stand experience unlimited um there was uh red and the boys it's like tted was like a label so it was like tted all-stars junkyard band um there's a bunch of like it's kind of like uh you know you have like different cities so like you know you have like sounds coming out of different cities so you know right. like for like miami you know you had like miami bass and and things like that and like in detroit you know you had like techno or chicago you had like house like dc you know that's like one of their kind of like homespun genres is go go right. You know, and yeah. it was, I guess, you know, I, it's it, from what, again, I'm not like an expert and I'm also not from DC. So I'm not necessarily like the spokesperson of GoGo at this point, but you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, no, no, but I'm I, just saying like, it, it was more of like a live thing. It was kind of bubbling in the eighties. Like it looked like it was going to bust out nationally for a minute. And, uh, you know, probably one of the more well-known GoGo songs is the butt by eu which was i believe right. in school days or one of those spike lee joints one of those spike lee movies yeah uh, so maybe so it was in like someone she... was asking me recently man is like the, the how you really explain different well yeah how, yeah house, it... house, house versus techno uh well okay so well i mean in terms of like gogo though like yeah so it was kind of like oh yeah finish up my, my bad no no but it was kind of yeah. like it was sort of bubbling on the surface like it might blow up in the 80s but then never quite like got a national prominence but of course like for people in dc you know that's their music and like these people especially like you know like i, I heard it was like really like a live thing so people did make records and there's lots of even like even beyond you know, the records that you would see, like I said, like Chuck Brown and the Soul Searchers or some of these bigger names. There, There is like stuff that was released on independent labels, but there's like all kinds of tapes and stuff. I remember when I first got on Twitter, I was following some kind of DC go-go local thing and, you know, people selling tapes, lots of live tapes, you know. So it's it's to me, it's like even like... And it's kind of the classic thing about how music is, and and this is what kind of appeals to me a lot of times about like trying, you know, giving props to people who aren't necessarily the most popular or most well known is because, you know, for people in D.C., they probably don't give a fuck if Go Go blows up or not. It's just part right. of their. It's part of the whole lexicon of you know D.C. And even if these in neighborhoods, some ways you kind of even if these, don't want it yeah, even if these neighborhoods like change and D.C. gets gentrified, that is something that really does define dc it's like that is go-go music is dc you know right right and it's something they want to try to you know definitely hold on to i mean another one i want to mention on my playlist is like i'm a huge paul robeson fan on a lot of levels i think he's one of the most like multi-talented paul robeson is like yeah i mean it's like he's someone that i've definitely over the years like more recent years kind of like uh became more aware of his story and everything but he's just like yeah he's like a serious I mean, his voice is just like has a majestic like quality to it i mean right. it's the richness you look at especially old man river and like you know showboat uh there's like those are some classics but it's like you i mean i even when he was on traveled to the soviet union and i mean i was listening to a uh 
thing was actually uh, James Earl Jones, I think, like Plain Robeson, and they were testifying before the you know the House Committee on, or maybe it was the Senate one actually, uh, on American activities, and right. they kept going after him about this and that, and this and that, and you know about him. You know, and he, and he and they mentioned that you know when he was in the Soviet Union for the first time, he felt like you know he was not like you know racism like wasn't a thing. They actually like, was a conscious like objective to like you know racism like what was was an evil that was like you know you had to struggle people had to struggle against, which is completely not tolerated. And people like you know W. B. Du Bois or Du Bois to be correct. I mean. Uh, it, it's like they went there. They they had that experience, and of course, when they had the red stare, people like Robeson um, and all were just tarred and feathered by that. And, and you know, right. again, I mean, Anya Anya when she was still Anya Parampel when she was still at RT America did a really good story on sort of how when he was at a, a party, um, they think in see the African either in Berlin or Moscow in the late late fifties, and he had a and he was given something like in his drink, and I was—I think he was part of the MK Ultra program, essentially, where he was, uh, you know, uh, you know, his brain was basically just fried. I mean, like they—they was never the same. Uh, you know, he, he wow. was still was like he was oh, the last 10, 15 years of his life. Um, he was never the same after he he was drugged, basically. And wow. not exactly sure, but uh, yeah, you can see it on YouTube actually if you like, you know, look up, uh, you know, Anya Parampel. Paul Robeson, it's a it's a really good piece you did there. Um, but yeah, I mean Robeson was a great you know actor. I mean, how many people are a great actor? He was a phenomenal football player. That's what I was gonna uh, say. Like going back to the singer, sports, he was like for, an all American football dude. Phenomenal singer. I mean, uh, I mean, just very few people, you know. And then and you look at his like political activism. It's just like it just it's almost exhausting. Yeah, he's, he's, someone he's, has he's, that he's, level of artistic prowess. Yeah, no, he's like he's super OG on that shit for sure. Yeah. There's some more popular type stuff that just like I listened to. I mean, I remember there's certain there was some certain when I was a teenager, man, in middle school, the travel basketball stuff and cash money was blowing up. No, nah, like, it's all good. Or, like that's yeah. the whole thing. It's like it's not even yeah. about like you what, know what for, you really love and like now, but sort what, of telling the story of your evolution. Yeah, you know, you know, just yeah. like stuff that you like. Like I feel like you know, in terms of like putting together a playlist, it's sort of like you don't have to be a professional photographer to have an Instagram account. You know, you have yeah. a phone, you take pictures, like, you know, the whole thing for, for part of this, uh, you know, podcast was just about like, yeah, just taking people like, you don't have to be a professional DJ to put together a playlist. You like music, but the, and, and, and I feel like, you know, it's just people come with different, uh, perspectives. So yeah, yeah like, yeah, because you're spend some time in the South then you might have some like uh, dirty South hip hop on your playlist or whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 no doubt. No you doubt, know, so. but uh, no, it's all good. Well, listen, thanks. Um, I I really uh, really yeah, enjoy talking to, do, to you, fine. man. And uh, if you want, you split know, just trying to like, yeah, just trying to like yeah. get the shit out there. You know, just different perspectives. So I appreciate that you're you're out there doing that stuff, especially like with uh, sports. I feel like that's one thing that just you really don't see a lot of people on the left you know kind of understanding that whole thing of actually being real sports fans and understanding you know why people get into sports but also really critically looking at the the structure that uh yeah. that is really running these kind of things and it you know cool. 
again what we were talking about before with like like some of the games with moving teams and threatening them it's sort of like again you know what you mentioned in your podcast it's like it's kind of like putting this sort of neoliberal structure on people's passions and taking advantage of yeah, it. And yeah. it's, it's I mean, like it, straight it's, up it, fucked it totally up. Is, <laughs> you know? Like it's pretty and, fucked up. Like and, if it's like used in a way to kind of like, again, well, you know, threaten the people other, the that, other thing, that threaten yeah. cities, you know? I mean, the, really the main thing I say to people that not already, if you're not even a sports fan, it matters in the sense that if you just ignore it, you're not going to under, you might, you might ignore it at your own peril because then you might not, realize and be able to mobilize quickly enough to maybe oppose like some of these like you know really messed up like stadium deals that's what i'm that saying like it's your tax dollars at work and, exactly are, and a lot of people if you just want to just totally ignore it then you know this stuff will just happen and you know and, and no one will you know and then just they'll be like oh it's outrageous well you know could have done something about it maybe but um you know yeah. i feel like it, it's a weird contradiction because it's like you know even with the kaepernick stuff people don't like boycott the nfl it's like well do you want you want to like how do you how do you like support the players you know while expressing like your you know, displeasure with like the way ownership is and the in the in the mixture of like you know the militarism and 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 the and 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 the game and the presentation and the, and, the, and the reactionary fans and whatnot. So there's layers to it, you know, in that, right. in that respect, you know, between the the, the labor and the and, the and the beauty. Also, there's something like when you're of uh, on its basic level, aside from all the commercial aspects, where it's like working together with a with a group of people that you might not have that much in common with or maybe you do for like a common purpose it's like that's something that we lack you know in a lot of other spaces in our society you've been listening to small changes stark reality on jasoncharles.net to listen to nate wallace's exclusive stark reality playlist of southern hip-hop rock and other politically charged selections Check out episode 16 of Stark Reality on Mixcloud and live and direct on jasoncharles.net, podcast network music shows. jasoncharles.net Deep talk, deep sounds. That was so deep.